you know, it's all, it, it has a lot to do with your environment. You know, what kind of environment did you grow up in? Who were your people around you? You know, my dad was a cocaine dealer, high end cocaine dealer. Mm. Uh, his second wife uh, was a pothead. And she, I, she was my favorite out of all of his wives. And uh, she taught me how to roll joints with American flag joints papers. Nice. And so you could line up, you could line up the little stripes and the star section. And I learned how to become a very good roller by rolling on flag nice. papers. Yeah. <laughs> so much totally so inappropriate, but, <laughs> but <laughs> we all, we all got our education somewhere in it sometime. Um, I think, yeah, I, I belong to a generation of, of uh, Northern Englishmen that got introduced to cannabis very young as well. Um, and it was just sort of our, our, our culture. And as you say, it's, it's wonderful to see the, with it and emerges in, in different cultures, even if it's like town to town, group to group in a school, even. Um, this is not me advocating for, for youthful drug consumption here, folks. Don't yeah, get at me. Me neither. No, um, no, no. I didn't we're, do just, that. we're reminiscing. We're reminiscing as two individuals that maybe did. It's, it's crazy, man, because, you know, when I tell people about it and I go through some of my childhood things with them and they look at me like in horror a lot, like, oh, my God, you poor thing. And I was like, there was nothing poor thing about it, dude. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. It was the whole period of, you know, I had celebrities coming in and out all the time and we lived in really great places. And, you know, when you're a pimping like that in the 70s, you know, he was rolling. We lived three houses down from Frank Sinatra in wow. Rancho Mirage, California. Now, he was styling, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a uh, he went to prison several times. And last time he went, he was in his 70s. But, you know, he was the guy that was kind of committed to what he was doing. He did it his whole life. He quit doing coke when he was 80 years old. And that was when his last customer died. Mm. And he didn't didn't never wanted to pay for it himself. So. That was <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> extra, extra. Uh, I think that's uh, some pretty good tidbits to entice uh, our audience here today to really want to hear what you've got to say in this episode. So, without further ado, yeah. let's get this introduced and get this uh, show on the road, as they say. Uh, well, yeah, folks, obviously, Happy New Year. It is 2024, apparently. Um, I don't know what that means. I keep trying to tell myself that, you know, I was never going to live this long. I'm quite happy to live this long. So we are winning. We're in positive points right now. Um, but yeah, the older I get, the weirder it sounds. Soon we're going to be 2030. And that to my brain just sounds mental because every sci-fi oh. film I have ever seen, bar like one or two, is set prior to this. I think we're now past the point in uh, like Back to the Future. I think we're actually the year of... Uh, is it Mad Max that we're the year of yeah. now? Something like that. Yeah, so yeah, as we're getting closer and closer, soon we will have no history that is set for us. Sorry, our future set for us by our history of sci-fi. So uh, some mm. aspiring writers and authors out there, get some new shit written, some positive stuff ideally, because I want to look forward to the future because, yeah, we don't have our hoverboards yet. We don't have our flying cars. We just have a bunch of dickheads trying to build dick-shaped rockets to get off Earth. So, yeah, welcome to 2024. Another fun year, folks. Um, without further ado, let's introduce today's guest, who is a cannabis... I don't know how to pronounce this word. I'm sure he's going to correct me, and we will find out what this word really means very soon. Uh, an interpreneer? Kind of like interpreter. Interpreter. I was very close. Kind of like a Somalia of wine. Um, they are currently living in Amsterdam, have been for, I believe, the past decade, uh, as I learned during the preamble here. They are, they are the author of The Connoisseur's Guide to Amsterdam Coffee Shops, as well as the host and producer of Wake and Bake with Captain Hooter on YouTube. They are Captain Hooter. How are you doing, brother? 
Outstanding, sir. How are you? Happy 2024. Happy, yeah, happy new year, brother. Um, yeah, I'm good. We made I'm it. Good. Yeah, we did. I feel a bit better for that rant. <laughs> Some people may be concerned for my mental health and that, but actually I'm in a really good place. All I meant by that is that we don't really have any utopian or even dystopian kind of uh, narratives that are, are written far enough in the future for us now for us to fight against or look forward to. You know, we're way yeah. past 1980. I suppose Brave New World is like set in 2100 and something. So for all Huxley fans out there, we do have some distance to go yet. But yeah. <laughs> how, how we get there in between, who knows? We, we'll either be the savages or the soma addicts of the future of uh, oh. New London. Who will see? <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway... It's because you start talking to us about AI at the start of this. This is where my brain has gone, That's brother. That's it. I know. I, I'm the same way. <laughs> I got you. Hey. Well, imagine what that AI weed's going to taste like, though. Ooh. See, then that is something interesting. Yeah, if we can truly map cannabis and then go, okay, supercomputer, and it goes, all right, it knows everything about you, and it can go, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to take this phenotype and this and this and this cultivar, we're going to mix them all together in this exact percentage, and it like digitally prints like a 3D joint. Mm. Like, okay, I, I can get there. I can get there. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, there's, uh, we started, let's go back to interpreter. Um, yeah. the, the term of interpreter comes from the Tricom Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, Tricom Institute was created by Max Montrose. And Max Montrose was the guy who basically saved me when I was writing the book. And when basically what happened is I was living on the main street, one of the main, uh, main streets in, in Amsterdam where all the coffee shops were. And uh, my friend from Canada was coming to visit me. He's a very intelligent man. And he's a man that you don't answer questions, you know, loosely. Mm -hmm. And he asked me, so uh, what's the best coffee shop in Amsterdam? And I said, I can't honestly tell you the answer because I haven't been to all of them. And that literally was the beginning and creation of Captain Hooter and the Connoisseur's Guide to the Amsterdam Coffee Shops. So one week into this, I go into this this job. I'm going to go, I'm going to do it just like the Michelin restaurants. I'm going to buy whatever the most expensive bud is on the menu. I'm going to say exactly the same words. I'm going to have the same personality, same everything as I go in so that there's, you know, consistency across the board. And one week into it, I thought I was just screwed. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the reason why was because as much as I thought I knew, as much as I knew about weed, I really didn't. And I had been coming to Amsterdam for 30 years prior to that for all of the cannabis cups. I was at one of the first ones with Steve Hager here. That's where I met Franco uh, over at the greenhouse, who truly, uh, truly gave uh, me the, the understanding and love of cannabis. Hmm. That man, that single man, unbelievable. Um, but after one week, I was getting all these different cultivars, and they weren't what they said they were. You know, it was Snoop Dogg, Cali Kush, and it wasn't Snoop Dogg, and it wasn't Cali, and it wasn't a Kush, <laughs> right? So I, I really thought at that juncture, after a week, I probably am not qualified to be writing this this book at all. I shouldn't be doing this because. Uh, a friend of mine knew Max Montrose, and he says, I'm going to give you his phone number, call him. I called him on the phone. I told him exactly what the scenario was. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, let me help you out, um, but you need to go take the courses. <laughs> I said, done. 
And he probably spent an hour, hour and a half with me on the phone and made me understand some of the pure, most important things when you're going to evaluate cannabis. Mm. And that's number one, that the name doesn't mean anything. All of that is marketing. The mm. package means nothing. If anything, when you see a package, at least here, you can almost think that it's you should be more concerned about it, in my opinion. Okay. I know you guys have talked about this as well on your other shows. It's, uh, what was the joke? Somebody told me the other day, it's like, you're looking at, at, um, drag Queens, you know, mm -hmm. you're seeing something that this over exaggerated to be something that, you know, ultimately it's what's inside the package that really counts. Mm -hmm. And ultimately for me, it's ultimately what the flower really is. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, when you break it open and take a look inside. And uh, I didn't know any of that. <laughs> so from that point forward, after spending this time with uh, Max on the phone, uh, immediately started uh, actually taking the interpreting course and uh, went back to work and uh, hit 168 coffee shops, picked out the top 20, um, gave them all awards, and uh, went on my way. Uh, started to do a, a regular show for people that were coming over here every weekend called The Weekend Bud Report. And that's really where a lot of people got to know me because I was publishing this every Thursday. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was for the weekend coming on. And I would every week I'd go pick out five different buds and at five different coffee shops. And they were all legit great, great buds. And I shot them normally and then I shot them microscopically. So you got a chance to see and got a full review on them. So you, you knew at least five good buds that you could come pick up anytime you came to town. Nice. Um, yeah, good stuff. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, and uh, my wife and I moved to uh, Jamaica. And we sat there for a year and a half, almost two years. And uh, I wrote while I was there the Connoisseur's Guide to the Jamaican Herb Houses. I went to every single herb house in Jamaica. I met most of the... Uh, growers that are independent, a lot of them you don't see and you don't meet and you don't know. And they're incredible. That might be the most uh, tightly held secrets in Jamaica are these incredible growers who are stashed away. And you, uh, tourists and normal people don't even see this wheat. Mm -hmm. It's thrown, uh, uh, dried, cured, and sent on its way. Mm -hmm. And nobody ever sees it on the island. And it's been that way for years, decades, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, they have the genetics there that are just incredible. And you see it in little fringes. Uh, you, you know about, um, uh, 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 lamb's bread. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you seen any recently? Uh, no, I don't even think I've really seen again. I'd say legitimately it would have been in a place like Amsterdam. Um, and again, it's, whether I did or I didn't. And it was in, in, in the days when your widows and your Northern Lights were still a lot more prevalent. It was, was prior to kind of your, your cookie revolution, if we want to look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah, there was, I, I found some lamb's bread uh, about two months ago at uh, my Dutch is terrible again, Kremers, 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 Kremers um, in uh, Den Haag. And mm. uh, it was it was legitimate lamb's bread. Uh, it was it was supposedly smuggled over in a rum barrel, which even gave mm. it a great story to go along with it. Mm -hmm. It was packed full of seeds. It looked like somebody pooped on it. It was horrible, right? Mm -hmm. But you took it, broke it apart, got the seeds out of it, and smoked it, and it was 
Mm. Fucking amazing. And and that goes along with all the new revelations about uh, uh, the new uh, flavonoids and uh, mm-hmm. scatol, right? The poop smell. And that like was perfectly timed for this to arrive in. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here looking at poop weed and there it is. <laughs> yeah. We, as you say, yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing of these volatile sulfur compounds that we're starting to look at now that are kind of breaking apart the, the classic understanding of terpenes as being the smell oh. compounds. And yeah, it's it's weird that we've got so used to this presentation of a certain exaggeration of floral terp notes, and it's I think that's what you've ended up with recently. So I mean, like, like the some people call it like the cardboard revolution or the cookies revolution mm-hmm. of this kind of the, the the flavors went flat, and then they became an exaggeration of certain points, certain sharp yes. terpenes exaggerated allegedly, potentially, by chemicals and additives that are put into it as growth additives, the PGRs, et cetera. Yep. And, and what's, what's also amazing or, and kind of sad in, in a certain way is that, um, you know, here, you know Amsterdam. This, mm. this city is so opposite of every other city in the world when it comes to the cannabis market. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a 180. It, as far as I know, it's the only city still in the world that is as a supply and demand issue here. They have more demand than they have supply. They are fighting to keep up with the supply aspect of it. And it is a crazy scene of an assortment of sellers from all different parts of the world and from locally and from, you know, and, and every kind of, 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 expertise, knowledge, style, everything from, you know, bro, 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 to people that are incredibly intelligent and articulate about all the details of what they've done and the process going through it. And if you don't buy what they have, there's another 186, 187 coffee shops that are ready to take that. Right. Mm. So there's a tremendous amount of pressure on think on on some of the coffee shops just to keep their supply in place. Uh, in Den Haag, outside of Amsterdam, they are a little bit more specified as far as um, or the, they're a little bit more um, boutiqueish mm. in their growings. Uh, the the growers that they use. Uh, one of my favorite uh, shops out there is called the Greenhouse Secret Farmers. And uh, they have had, over the last decade, uh, at least a dozen really top-notch boutique growers that have been growing, obviously, over and over and over and over again, and back-crossing and getting incredible quality, working off of the same genetics over and over Mm -hmm. again, right? And something you can count on all the time. Now, the other thing you got to remember is that uh, actual testing of the flower here is not even permitted, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, you you have to almost break the law in order to do a better job. Um, Yeah. Okay. Again, there is so many wild, contradictory type of things that go on here that that don't happen anywhere else in the world. Um, It's one of the reasons why um, I was I was surprised and also so honored when uh, the biggest coffee shop in Amsterdam called me and initially called me to help them with their social media. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I used to, I taught social media back in the days uh, when it was first coming out with uh, Foursquare and Twitter stuff and all that in the beginning. And I've been consulting with other companies for many years and helping them out. I said, I'd be happy to do that. And then uh, shortly after that, they learned more about my interpreting abilities. And then I was given the ability to evaluate some of their flowers. And they didn't need to. You know, that, that was the thing is like, they, they cared about my opinion. Now they actually talk to me before they buy things, which is fantastic, but they didn't need to do that. You know, they could take ashes out of an ashtray and roll it up in a joint and sell it to people because there's so much demand. It's unbelievable. And now that I've had a chance to be around it and watch it, it's, I've learned so many things. I mean, the, the buying market is not educated. Uh, they're, they're, they want, you know, literally you cannot ask them, would you like a sativa? Would you like an indica? There's a lot of commentary about, uh, do you want to get higher? Do you want to get stoned? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is, uh, you know, again, kind of keeping the, the level at this level, right? So then you have pre to me, call me. And, you know, I've had a chance to now get to know a lot of the great bud tenders and, you know, the, the great staff and everything. That place is a machine. Mm-hmm. That is a machine. They sell twenty to 25,000 milkshakes a month. Wow. Milkshakes. Yeah. Okay. You can just, I mean, let your brain go through that. I mean, they are doing a phenomenal job and they don't need me. They didn't need me, you know? Um, and so I honored, you know, mm-hmm. to even have that. And I would honestly not work for another coffee shop. I wouldn't want to, uh, again, I've, I've already done this a, a few times and this is to me, as far as having an event or a party or a smoke session or anything like that, it's the best place to go into town. And so, you know, I, we did two this last month with uh, uh, King Kush, one with uh, Dan by the Graham guys. I don't know if you know them. And uh, Mila, the hash queen, did her 10th anniversary uh, Dabadoo just a couple of weeks ago. I'm still nice. recovering from that. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's interesting because uh, obviously I think Pre uh, benefits massively from its size. It's like three stories. It's like... I'm trying to count the streets in my head. I think it's like three alleyways back from the station or something. Like as you go down one. one of the main streets, it's like, yeah, it's literally just straight off in there. So it's ideal. As you say, it's in- the Dutch system is interesting. It's it's always been close to my heart because Holland was the first kind of foreign country in the space that I went to purely for cannabis, was to like, yeah. I'm, I want to go see other cannabis culture. I want to go s- experience this. And I think, as you say, it's, it's such a unique spot because it's not technically decriminalized. It's not legalized. It's not, it's, it's half depenalization and half, I'm not even going to pronounce that fucking word, that big Dutch word yeah. that means tolerance. I'm sorry, yeah. you guys, I'm not going to try that. I'm not going to embarrass myself, but it's, it's, it's that weird combination of it basically means that, yeah, that's weird. Leave it alone. Even the five gram limit, the 500 gram limit on the coffee shops, I mean, as you said, that the math is interesting. So I made yeah. a note. This is from Forbes earlier, uh, earlier last year, I think April 2023. Uh, the estimation was that there was 570 coffee shops across 102 municipalities in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you say, yeah, around 170-ish located in uh, Amsterdam, 
obviously some are fluctuating and you've got new players coming in and like buying out the licensing but as you said the limitation is in the structure of it because it's kind of grandfathered in the licensee is always the licensee so you had like right. coffee shop utopia i think the plug kind of came in and yeah. it's still technically utopia i think it's like the plug at utopia cookies are doing a similar sort of thing that yeah. the the licensing is doesn't allow for that modernization and it's good in that way because it protects against that scalping that we're seeing destroy the american industry in various states and it just Whoa. becomes this pay-to-play thing but as you say the limitations on that like 500 gram supply per coffee shop at a time and that kind of in and out means that batch buying is a bit different. So you either have to hold a giant thing and then you have a secondary space and you're stacking that and working your way through it. And then you have stock rotation problems. You have like basic issues you would have in the retail. 500 grams. Yeah, they're only they, allowed to have 500 grams in there yeah. at any one time. So you've got this other, these other systems and stuff that are going on that means, as you said, there has to be an obfuscation. So the guy who's the butt tender in the shop Oh, of course, officer, we're only allowed the 500 grams. Of course, officer, they're only allowed to buy five grams at a time. Of course, we're not allowed to sell concentrates and dabs, but we're allowed hashes, but not... It's Like I said, the interpretation and the kind of the moving of it is interesting. Right. So last, yeah. time I, last time I was out, there are obviously some spaces, they can't do extracts that are like uh, constant, or rather, I suppose the Dutch are basically, I think, believe they're going concentrates are like chemically processed or like, so uh, BHO, things like that. There is some sort of pro- procedure that makes it kind of a hard drug, not a soft drug. Right. In the same way they've kind of done with psilocybin. So truffles, that's a soft drug, but a mushroom, that's now a hard drug. Yeah. So it's, it's, there is that. So hashes, I think they're classing as that's like an extract not a concentrate, even though Correct. it's a concentration. The language is funny. It's a, it's a funny thing. Hey, but yeah, the fact that know, the Mila can do that publicly and then have the 10th year uh, Dabadu anniversary there, I think shows the evolution of it, at least in the cultural acceptance of the, I was going to say the right people. That's not what I mean. Known people, yeah. known entities within the city are allowed to kind of get away with a bit more. I think it's fair yeah, to say anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's weird because, I mean, when I left California, uh, to move here 10, what, 12, almost 12 years ago, I guess now, God, a long time ago. Um, I could have my weed Ubered to me, mm. you know, I, I could, I could, I had multiple coffee shops that would, you could have an Ubered to you delivery right mm. to your door. Imagine what would happen if that happened here. Yeah. Right. And that was 10 years ago. When I came here in the beginning, I, I felt like I was coming back to the prehistoric age. Um, I, right after I wrote my book, I was most famously known for calling out bud tenders for using their naked masturbatory hands to pick apart my butt. Hmm. And I still, to this day, when I go into a place and they don't have any gloves on, I ask them, I say, hold on, wait one second, how old are you? 25, 26. Okay, you masturbate twice a day. Which hand do you use? <laughs> Left or right? I'm serious, because if you're yeah. going to touch my bud with all five of your fucking fingers like that, mm-hmm. so that you can pick off that little tiny piece there like that, I would rather you use the hand that doesn't have it. And they'll say, oh, my hands are clean. And that's when I'll always reach in and pull out a microscope. Mm-hmm. Put your hand out. <laughs> you would be amazed how many people would go, oh, my God, I can't believe. 
Yeah, I know. Because every time they grab that bud with all five of their fingers, pre-coated with their masturbatory, uh, whatever that is, and then they go grab somebody else's bud and somebody else's bud and somebody else's bud and somebody else's bud, right? You end up with this ridiculous, ugh. And I, it's, you know, I, another thing that I, I have so much respect for uh, at Pre to Me, one of the very first coffee shops in Amsterdam to have their bud tenders wear gloves. Um, it's, which, just, it's one of those things that you say that, why have we not always done this? Why is this not the, 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 the standard? It should, yeah. yeah. It's... Well, I mean, when I left California, it was beautiful blonde girls with big boobs that had tweezers or uh, chopsticks, or they had something, or they had a glove. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever thought about touching a bud with their, their hands like that. But like you say, it's, it's, the things get locked in place, as you say, it's, and because of the, the regulations in like California or any U.S. state when they did it, they obviously had a specific act or statute that then created usually a, a, a sub-bureaucracy of people and individuals that would enforce the cannabis-specific laws. But then there was a whole bureaucracy they had to make this policy attach to everything else. So other retail laws, other hygiene, other sanitation, other transport, other da 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 And so that instantly, like you said, it meant that, well, no, basic hygiene means that we have to do X, Y, Z. So it was immediately put in and to that level. Whereas, like you say, it, even in sort of, uh, it's similar to some of the clubs in, in uh, Spain now, think about it, they're still using hands as well. Um, yep. and some of them are, and if the higher end clubs, yeah, they've got gloves that match the fucking like, like black tattoo gloves that match kind of the, the, the vibe and yes. the color of the spot. And it's almost the uniform of them. I think of who is it? Is it, uh, or Jorgens? I'm butchering that as well. Bore, uh, Youngins. Bore Youngins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they've got, I believe they wear, they wear clear gloves and that kind of goes with, they've got like the suspenders and it's all glass and, and, uh, and lab jackets. Yeah, and again, it, it, it takes it to that visual level that you feel, because as you say, so few consumers and so many people that are traveling, especially the tourists and cannabis novices, they're leaving a country of criminalization. They feel fearful and they sneak out of their country and sneak into Holland. They're like, oh, we get smoked the weed. And so they have no no knowledge or care for it beyond yeah. that that novice experience of the novelty yeah. of it, you know? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think if you lift those standards... Some will see, but the vast majority of people are still just buying weed. Like you say, they hear the name and go, I don't care. Will it get me fucked up? Yeah, yeah I want it. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, the, I, I'm i in this weird position now because of, of what I'm doing over pre and doing the social media. I've kind of hijacked one of the boxes that they have up in the, the top floor in the game room. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've turned it into my little private office before they open up that room, right? And so uh, I've had a couple opportunities. I, I meet so many people and when i'm through i'll open up the doors and i have everybody come in and i chat with everyone right and it's like for me it's like going to a library i've got a whole room full of books everybody's got a different story uh uh, not too long ago a few weeks ago i met a young man from poland he had just turned 18 it was his 18th birthday it was his first time in a coffee shop he he came up i uh, i heard him in the uh, uh while he was standing in the queue and uh, he was buying something shitty i said no uh i suggest you grab one of these tell you what come with me uh and he came up into the room and uh i smoked a captain hooter joint with him for his 18th birthday cap okay. got to smoke cap got to smoke captain hooter with captain hooter and uh, uh i find out 
as I'm talking to him, that it's not his first joint per se. It's mm. he's been smoking and actually growing for years. Mm. And he grows and he makes edibles and he does all these other things. I saw him at the Dabadoo. He was here, came down for the Dabadoo and brought me a little present with one of his edibles in it. So you never know how the world works here, right? Mm -hmm. It's like I thought I was doing something cool for somebody, a, a first timer. Um, I, I, I'm very conscious of, of, uh, of Franca. Uh, mm -hmm. over at the greenhouse and and the way he behaved and the way he treated people and his hospitality and the way he infused education into his uh, conversations with people. Mm -hmm. I try to do that all the time. Uh, you know, I'll usually get into some sort of conversation about interpreting and talk about, do you know how to smell a bud properly so you can tell if it's a, a narrow leaf or a broad leaf? And just easy stuff, you know, so that the, mm -hmm. oh, wow. And they always leave, you know, feeling like they've got another step forward in the, in the, the, the game here. And um, as much Thanks. as anything else, mm -hmm. I'm digging that, you know? 100%. Which as, as I always say on the podcast, as I've said for years in my work, that whether we like it or not, we are amb ambassadors for the plant and for the culture. Yes. And so if you have any kind of notoriety, any kind of infamy, any kind of ability, and you are gaining from this community, this culture, you kind of have an obligation to, well, yes. first and foremost, not be a prick. And secondly provide the best information possible and always be humble with it. As I always say, I'm constantly correcting myself. If you go back and watch like episode one and you work your way through all of this, um, I mean, one, I don't even know if I introduced the number one episode 130 folks. Um, my intro was a bit fucked up back there. Um, but it, as you evolve with it, different things come out. And I think it's to always inspire a sense of hunger in, in others that they want to thirst for, this knowledge and to never be satiated by it to constantly be like oh nom 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 more nom 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 that kind of attitude that was a very cookie monster of me um but yeah. that kind of attitude like that. towards it because that's where my brain is with it and that's the elders that i respected when i first got in this when i was allegedly maybe too young sorry people allegedly but allegedly yeah but the right ones, the people that guided me, the people that met me with knowledge, that protected me when I whitey'd or had, I don't know what the, the international term of this was, sick after consuming too much, you know, the, rather than the ones that would berate you and the people that would try and stitch you and set you like stitchy chillums and whatever else. And like, that's the kind of the culture I want to honor. There are the other elements to it and that's people's prerogative and that's their, that's their game to play, man, and play away. But what I want to do in the world is exactly that is yeah. provide well, some knowledge and some love around the plant man and i'm right there with you i am constantly learning and i i i am at every moment i'm learning something new different and unusual the guy i told you about max montrose uh is living up i think he's in oregon somewhere in oregon now he got himself his own place and he's raising all kinds of psychotropic plants and has uh also some interesting creatures. Uh, and I, I'm almost scared to find out what he's doing with the creatures. Yesterday he had a bird eating tarantula. I think that's what they called it. It was either a bird eating or a bird. It's mm -hmm. a tarantula and it moves incredibly fast. And he was doing a video of it and you can watch this thing. He was getting it out of a jar and in one second, it left Jeez. the front of the jar and ended up on his shoulder. And he's sitting there, but you know, 
again, talk about mind blowing. Okay, so mm-hmm. and my mind goes, okay, what's he doing with that? What what's he gonna create from that? What's because he also works with uh, abstracts. I don't know if you know about abstracts, abstracts industries. They were the one who did the big survey that just came out with talking about the uh, flavonoids versus the the terpene. Okay. Um, oh my issue. God, I've got to share. Yes, I'm going to put a share <laughs> screen on this. So is, is it the? I think it's called the Goliath spider. Uh, yeah, it's a bird-eating spider. Is I think what they call it. It's a bird, bird-eating spider. It's like look at the fucking. Oh my god! When I saw that thing move, <laughs> that, that looks like a big one. The the one he had was was a little the... bit smaller than that. It looked like the one on the top left. It, but he had it inside of a jar, and and he was just kind of scooting it out, and it it moved so fast. I, I mean, I was shocked how quickly it moved and he just froze like he even that's the thing. He knew exactly the right thing to do. And he froze, didn't move and slightly moved the camera around so that you could see that it was sitting right there. Wow. And it was, oh, shit. And and <laughs> again, all of these great teachers in uh, one point or another, they are always off into one thing or another. Did you ever follow uh, Ed Rosenthal or get to meet him or? Yeah, I've had him on the the, the, the podcast. Uh, hoping to get him back on again at some point before too long. Um, do do appreciate a lot of Ed's work. Um, yeah, so I'm just still this. That's fucking crazy. I live for like a decade. <laughs> the fucking foot span is all if like a twelve inches can be bigger. I didn't didn't think I was scared of spiders. I mean, it's got a cute <laughs> cute, cute little face, but Jesus Christ, that thing is big. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you, he's, you, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, I know, but, but he's up there raising uh, uh, turkeys and and uh, d- d- chickens and all kinds mm-hmm. of every kind of uh, uh, fluorescence you could possibly imagine, and I'm I can't even imagine the things that he's not showing us, because mm-hmm. uh, I mean he's simply brilliant, and I uh, from the very first time I spoke with him until now. Every word he is he's uh, told me about or spoken to me about has been something I've learned something about. He's one of the few white boys that went to Jamaica. He was actually brought into Jamaica and got the full Rastafarian treatment. I mean, I was there for two years, got to hang out with the first man from the Rastafarian Indigenous Center, but I didn't get the the get dunked into the special river. And there's a whole process that you go through. Mm. And he's like a legit uh you know blessed rasta it's like awesome just a a, a nice sounds... little jewish boy from the united states it's it's went to the end of the earth uh, that sounds sounds crazy i'll have to uh get, that's get, a man get you get an introduction yeah definitely. that's a man you would like to have on your show he is fascinating and i mean the levels of his uh, and the people that he works with is yeah i did an interview i did an interview with him on my show uh, and barely scrape the surface, I think. Interesting. Yeah, definitely have to hit you up for a connection. Next. Oregon was a, a spot that I really enjoyed. Uh, where I did a road trip in 2018 and mm. flew into Colorado, rented a car and drove like 6,000 miles. I uh, went to Hempfest for TVV and McPeak and that. And um, yeah, Oregon was was a different vibe. I know obviously Portland's kind of got what it's got going on right now and certain, certain politics that... Mm, 
I, I'm yeah. too too far removed to comment on. But yeah. in terms of the conceptual <laughs> idea of it, of what it's trying to do with like decriminalization of natural psychedelics plus MDMA, which I think is one of the things that complicates this because mm-hmm. there is literally methamphetamine in MDMA. And this is, I think, what people keep forgetting is <laughs> that it's... Dude, there's so many different, all the different <laughs> things. Have you, have you heard about uh, what's the uh, unicorn? There's, there are so many different new drugs that I've seen over the last couple of months. It's blowing my mind. A unicorn is MDMA, ketamine, and LSD together. Ah, uh, right. So this is like sort of uh, for the solstice this year. I, uh, what do you call that one? Uh, candy flipped. So I took acid candy and acid, acid and MDMA. Actually, I took acid, MDMA, and mushrooms in, in the woods. So I went camping, uh, had a nice fire, and I built my own little shelters and uh, sleep out in, in the wilderness for the for the solstice. Do for the equinoxes as well. And it's like, uh, I'm not I'm not pagan, I'm not religious, but if the closest thing I am is I'll worship nature. So yeah. on those special days, I like to be out sleeping awake in, in, in the wilderness. And yeah, I like my psychotropics. So yeah. yeah and the, so that's candy flipping. There was then... K flipping, yeah. which was ketamine and acid together, but then putting like the three together, it just it's those evolutions, and I think it's it's interesting because it shows in the same way that like the sixties, the early uh, well, more mid sixties did mm-hmm. that people felt comfortable exploring more and more of their consciousness. That it's not just going, I want to be happy, I want to be this. It's people are truly trying to alter and I would argue master themselves. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. And you know, the, the products that are coming out are, are people are really starting to get to a point where they're innovating in the right directions. I, I got a little, uh, a sprayer, uh, of a microdose LSD. Really brilliant. For, for, yeah. Uh, how come they haven't thought about that before? <laughs> this is what, you know, it's, uh, there's so many things that have kind of been held back from all the different PR, police, and, mm. you know, people in power for whatever uh, purpose they had, either with alcohol, which was a big part of it for a long time. Um, boy, I was really excited to see the last numbers. There were some numbers I saw last night that were just fantastic. Talking about the new generation, genera- is it X now? Generation X is uh, the new one? That's, well, technically, it's Generation A. It's Generation Alpha. So Gen Z are the ones underneath me because I'm a millennial. And then there's Gen okay. Z. And then our my millennial kids that I'm not having, but other millennials are, they're now Gen Alpha. And I think Gen okay. Z are Gen X's kids. I think that's the way right. it works. That's, that's perfect. And those are the ones who have their alcohol uh uh, consumption has dropped like almost 40 or 50%. Some mm. big numbers. It wasn't even like, 10% it was like 20, 30, 40, something like that. It was a big number though. It was like, mm-hmm. fantastic. Now, mm-hmm. now you can start looking at things in a different perspective and instead yeah. of having all of them. Yeah. I think that's yeah. why uh, last time I checked and it's probably going to have changed now, nine out of 10 of the largest uh, global alcohol, you know, these were predominantly beer producers um, were invested in, in cannabis predominantly in America and Canada, but obviously starting to spread money elsewhere. Tobacco, if you look at people like Bat, British American Tobacco, Philip Morris, um, they're divesting huge amounts of money in what they call, what is it, non, non-combustible, non-nicotine products. 
So they kind of, oh, we're just we're looking at, and it's basically they're looking at extracted markets. So they've perfected the machinery for producing a large crop and extracting it because obviously they are the ones who produce most of the nicotine vapes. Right. So while they're sort of co-opting that and going, oh, this was going to be a medical device, but now actually, yeah, we don't mind if fifteen-year-olds are addicted to them. That, that. How do you how do you feel <laughs> about the, how do you feel about a company like that getting into the cannabis market, even in a, in a larger scale? Uh, I, if we were truly liberated for our own innovations, wouldn't give a shit because that is that is the nature of capitalism and i alone cannot do fuck all about it that is the winds and the water and the waves that are going that way for now the moons will change and the tides will change in the future i believe and things will readjust more towards equity and fairness across all of humanity but if like i said in specifically not just with say cannabis but then eventually with other drugs as we're seeing because Every one of the big investors that made money pumping up the, well, initially the pump and dump of the green rush that we saw in America and then later in Canada, when you explore, I mean, part of that got stuck, caught up in meme stock and the GameStop uh, whole thing. And there's a lot of Reddit retail money went in and pumped up the second wave. So that kind of obfuscates it a bit. But generally, it's legacy money, old school money that is moving through and eventually catching up and going to their investment firms and whatever, and they're moving into cannabis. They're now split and going into psychedelics in one way. And then you've got another group of them that are going into like opioid alternative and addiction treatments. So a lot of the pharmaceutical companies that have spent decades fucking us up with these drugs have now done a lot of research and development using some of our drugs to then go, oh, we've created patented medications using these illicit substances to help get you off the substances that we got you onto. In the first place. But then the consequences of those drugs inevitably are going to be, we'll get addicted to them because they're not, it's not about, it's not the set and setting. And that's why I disagree with, with these companies. They pump and dump for supply produce as much as we can as long as we grow every quarter we're winning doesn't matter what the landscape looks like if there's no competition and we're just one company that owns everything whereas the culture is you and i have grown up in and know is it's the expression of the individual it's a manifestation of that little microcosm of that group of people like when i went up to the rift mountains in morocco and experienced kind of that culture that is somewhere entirely onto itself you know Mm -hmm. you say you go to holland and if you just step outside of amsterdam and you go to some of the more regional areas you get a more authentic experience or even if you just get off the main strips in amsterdam again no offense to pre or others you get a more authentic thing that's not geared for the tourist it's not geared for the the mass market it's more representative of the local flavor and variety and that's what i want to experience i don't want it to be mcdonald's and you just go every fucking where and it's the same meat that was all grown on mass in brazil and this lettuce that was grown in australia or whatever and these buns made in Italy, and it's all just in center around that to me misses one of the most beneficial parts of globalizing cannabis and that is its carbon sequestration, its potential as an industrial applicant. So once we've got all those tasty buds, you've still got all that biomass, all those lovely roots. You've sequestered carbon, re-nutrified soils. You've done some wondrous things with it. You can then, like I said, extract oils and then still have your biomass. And you can do uh-huh. all this, all sorts of other science that were in our infancy. But as you were saying before about like the LSD spray, I feel that there is so much more of that innovation is going to come from us and not them. Because what they are trying to do, like we're seeing in CBD in the UK, is a race to the bottom because they don't want a product that's truly effective. So they're trying to get it down to now 10 um, 
micrograms of, of CBD is your daily limit or recommended daily allowance. I think it, no, sorry. It's yeah. the other one. It's not recommended daily allowance. They've used another word, a way of describing it so that right. it doesn't sound dietary, but basically <laughs> they're trying to say that too much CBD will be poisonous for you. When too much of a cannabinoid is the same as like a vitamin, your body just locks it off and you piss it out. We actually cannabis cannabinoids are more likely to store. We store them in our fingernails, hair, fat, tissues, etc. But it's not to a detriment. There isn't a, a biodegrading mechanism there. So it's it's, it's not, the, not the same thing at all, you know? So exactly. to, answer, to answer your question in a roundabout way, I am concerned that until you and I are free to trade amongst ourselves and self-supply, we will then only be beholden to what they produce and they supply. Yeah. But if I'm free to grow as much as I want, extract as much as I want, trade with yourself as much as I want, we can post it back and forth. And I go, oh, dude, dude, check out what I've grown here. I'll send you this. Unless we have that, their system will only ever be uh, profiteering from a perpetuation of prohibition and a continuation of our criminalization, frankly. Exactly. Perfectly put. How do you feel about uh, the UK's prospects going forward as of right now? I think we're in a... You, do, you, do you think you're dependent on Germany legalizing? In, see, this is one of the questions I can ask you about Germany, because if you look at the landscape of politics, I mean, I generally don't sit in a left and right position. I feel that is the Overton window of modern politics is still just neoliberal capitalism. I don't subscribe to that shit, so I don't see any benefit. That. The closest <laughs> I saw to it in the UK was Corbyn, and that was an uphill fucking okay. fight. And the the world, of, in terms of the, the Britain and its little ideologue world, did everything to negate an opportunity for somebody that for 50 years has gone, yeah, but what about the little guy? Do you know what yeah. I mean? And they replaced him immediately with this new guy, Keir Starmer. He's going to take over next year, frankly. I think it's a set game because they've made him, they brought the Labour up to the right and they've moved like Tory. They've brought them close enough, basically, the two main parties that they can just switch them. And then people yeah. go, oh, that still represents my politics. And then, oh, but yeah. everybody else feels this is rejuvenation. We're starting again. But Keir Starmer's stance on cannabis and drug policy, bear in mind, he was a fucking, like, the top lawyer of the country at one point, and he's a knight of the fucking realm. Oh, Don't God. forget. He's Sir yeah. Keir Starmer. Like, bleh. Like, yeah. that to me, it's not indicative of a good a, a good sort of um, stance, but, I mean, I think British politics, more than anything else, has been more than anywhere else, sorry, has been captured. It is entirely performative. They are the same people. They go to the same parties. They're in the same clubs. Their kids intermarry. They are legacy money through and through. A thousand years after 1066 and the Norman invasion, the vast majority of wealth is still in Norman hands. And if you then look, you look at our polit political history, the vast majority of our politicians are from Norman descent. It, mm -hmm. The power has never shifted. It never changes. So I mm -hmm. think like... HS2 getting cancelled is a Tory plan so that they get to fudge some money in uh, some numbers and save some money and Starmer comes in and goes well we're going to have this new thing and it's always what both parties intended but it's broken down in a way that it looks like there's a to and a fro in and we're against that and we're for that and oh. it's it's literally the he's behind you oh no he's not it's that country <laughs> that performance do you know what i mean it's yeah and i think more than ever the youth are feeling that so we're looking at this and just we're just we're turned off to it but i think yeah. the consequence will be there'll be some benefit some conversations had but i don't think anything will happen i think the european zone will move faster frankly than germany will 
um, they're looking at or the the from the people that I've spoken to in various areas, IA, et cetera, other European organizations, they very much feel that the EC, the European Commission Union Zone, not like just the member states, but the actual, like the money people inside of this, that they were quietly looking at Germany going, all right, you'd, you'd run the pilot. And out of fucking nowhere for the past three years, Switzerland have just gone, <laughs> hold my beer. And they're, built, they're actually out there and building it, and it's moving. Yeah, it's a much mm-hmm. smaller population. The reason they're looking at Germany is it's like 86 million people. It's the largest economic uh, country yeah. in, in Europe. It's a larger, huge economy. So they've looked at it. The reason it's kind of got stagnated, I think, is ultimately uh, your medical private prescription system. So a lot of the American exactly. companies they then got stuck, like Curaleaf, uh, Truelever, and these kind of big conglomerates. They've then diversified their investment elsewhere. They've then spent money for the past several years uh, lobbying governments to change the interpretation of POCA, Proceeds of Crime Acts, around the world so that medical, air quotes, giant medical, medical companies, in air quotes, industrial companies, um, they are separate. And the way they do that is the, the cannabis lie. And they go, <clears throat> we produce hemp not cannabis you criminalize cannabis and those dodgy skunk people but our stuff yeah do we help children and we're saving children's lives and do you know what i mean we're changing the world and yeah hemp hippies yeah right. and it's all very liberal and very whitewashed and very gentrified and very bullshit um and again germany is the largest european medical cannabis market air quotes medical cannabis market so yep. I think that hit a backlash and they're tearing each other apart and germany's quietly becoming more right wing as is Hungary, as is Estonia, as is Portugal, as is Spain, as is Italy. As, a lot of countries are... Actually, I haven't looked at Spain in a while, but last time I checked, it was moving a bit that way. But generally, yep. the, the wave in politics is moving across Europe because of a discontentment, because of a loss of economic stimuli within the Eurozone. Britain fucked off and we stagnated and did some shit, and it's not been good for us. Nobody can be... Uh, rose-tinted glasses enough to say that it's going well for us. But what is ha- what is happening is, is it's forcing other countries to go, we either fucked in or we fucked out. Mm-hmm. And if we can then tear this thing down and start again, is it worth then doing it? So there are conversations in Italy and other places, has been for a while, obviously, but it seems to be ramping up about an it exit, would you call it? It exit, whatever, an Italy exit from fucking the, the Eurozone. Um, yeah. And I think, obviously... The loss of Merkel's leadership in Germany has led. That was the longest stabilized period that we had. I think the new uh, president of the EC zone is um, causing some controversy, as they always do. But I think generally, post COVID, we're seeing a much more divided Europe than ever before. Economically, uh, what's the word like? Socially, socioeconomically, in terms of the way that the economy manifests and what people are putting their money towards, and I think the old economic model isn't working in the same way. We've got major conflicts kicking off with like Russia and Ukraine, with fucking Palestine and and uh, Israel. Uh, not to mention the various things going on with fucking Yemen, Sudan, you know, other places that are again the West is funding ultimately when you look at this. So we've got trillions going out of this hand while domestic populations are struggling and suffering. And we're looking at this resource cannabis that is being controlled majority in Europe by Albanians, by about 2 million people. There's 2 million people in Albania, yet they control like 80% of the European cocaine market. There's now Albanian nationals set up in Bolivia and Colombia uh, and, and not, uh, South America, sorry, the north of South America. That's a weird way to say it. Uh, in those yeah. re- those regions. Um to directly supply now. 
So as the Americans are destroying the cartels, but backhandedly, allegedly, huge allegedly, using money to fund various uh, slush, to create slush funds for various activity a la um, da -da 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 -da, uh, Iran-Contra, and what we saw with, you know, Freeway Rick Ross and uh, Gary Webb, who, you know, died by two self-inflicted gunshot wounds to the head, allegedly. Um, I think... It's pretty impressive to get two off. Yeah, that yeah, it's I've heard an explanation of it by a firearms expert, but I still cannot be like it, you're not fast enough. How can what dex nah, just no, just no. Oof. But yeah, parking that anyway. Um <laughs> I, I think that's what we're seeing is their stranglehold on the global drugs trade, whether it be through secret services around the world, through governments. I mean, the British, we've been the global drug dealers since like the fucking sixteen hundreds. We put yeah. countries to war to make sure that we got our drug of choice, tea. Do you know what I mean? We created a global opium trade so that we had fucking tea. We allowed hashish to be traded all over the place because we wanted fucking tea and sugar. That was good tea, though. Good tea. Can't, can't argue with that. I must have yeah, been still addicted tea. to the tea. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's what we're going to see with this is if we're not careful, cannabis will become tea. Cannabis yeah. would people become so removed from it, whereas there used to be disparate farmers that would be you would grow your cultivar of tea. Now people don't even think of tea as having like cultivars and varieties. Think yeah. about again what cannabis. That's my fear of cannabis in the future. Is we go all the way back and people are like, is this weed? Yeah, it's weed, weed, and they don't. Okay, you know? two, two quick side notes before you get too far along. Tea. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the the Zenko pipe vaporizer? Zenko. Z-E-N-C-O. No. Okay, Zenko has a smoke vaporizer. Like Kenko. That, has, <laughs> that, that, that rises up into a glass. I've been oh, smoking yes, it. yes. I've been using it for the last couple of weeks. They have a new glass that's coming out, a new variation of it should be coming out soon, that allows you to put liquid into the glass first and then have the smoke come over the top. Very first thing popped into my head was hot tea, and then take any fruity cultivar mm -hmm. and throw it over the top of there. Oh mm -hmm. my God. The second thing of course was whiskey. Um, <laughs> and then of course you, I've, I've already taken, I've already chopped uh, up strawberries and put straw, even though you're not supposed to, I put strawberries mm -hmm. in there and uh, 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 smoked a cultivar that had some sort of berry um, essence to it. And you can taste the strawberries mm -hmm. and it looks like you're drinking it. It's very strong. Um, I, I've had to tell people to really take it easy on it. It, it lures you in with the sexy smoke mm. coming into the glass like this, but it kicks your ass. It's, it's unbelievable. It looks like su such a dense concentrate compared to something like uh, a volcano where the bag is quite a large space and the air yes. is loosely compacted. Exactly. Um, or even a, or even a Dynavate. It's mm. it's much stronger than that as well. The the second uh, one I want to catch up with is in the UK. Uh, are you familiar with or do you know Michael from Teesside Cannabis Club? Yeah, no, Michael. He's just just down the road from us. Oh, there you go. Fantastic. Well, I was going to say he's been uh, he's been here a couple times in Amsterdam, and I've had a chance to uh, meet him and hear his whole incredible story, and. You know, how fortunate you are that you've had him just around the corner from you. Yeah, we, we, uh, I 
I suppose still technically do run, even though we haven't done anything since bloody fucking COVID. Uh, Durham yeah. City, Durham City Cannabis Club, just up the way. So we've we've done joint events together and stuff in the past, and um, yeah, he's like spoke at events that I've hosted before pre uh, previous. So I, I know Michael quite well. He's he's, he's soon to be uh, a guest on the podcast. Uh, oh, so, so at some point this year, been meaning to for a while. I think he's my first guest on. I was going to do a series of like uh, interviewing club heads around the UK, the people that run different organisations, and I got like two or three recorded, and it just kind of petered out because people didn't want to be publicly connected to it at that time. They were like, worried about their job and various yeah. other things. So things have moved forward, I think, a bit a bit more now. Uh, obviously, we've got private prescriptions here in the UK, uh, of which myself is is currently being forced into one to kind of continue my my healthcare, although it doesn't really help. I'm forced into having it so I can stay on a waiting list to be constantly told that I'm a druggie. Which <laughs> yeah. is a wonderful, Perfect. wonderful experience to go with. So this doctor says that I'm prescribed this and it's medicine, but this doctor that doesn't get the money for prescribing it says that it's not medicine. And it's like, I understand the financial incentive and <laughs> mechanisms, but it's like, come on guys, this is mental. Because I mean, in the UK as well now, we've got, Literally. Like, we've, we've got private clinics that are selling fucking uh, amphetamines. So you yeah. can go get to through a private ADHD clinic and you can get prescribed and um, some pretty high-end fucking amphetamine drugs analogous to and similar to in the makeup to Adderall in the States um, on online. You never need to go see a yeah. person. It's it's scary that they're doing that and exploiting the drug system in this way, yet then somebody that finds uh, like microdosing, which quite a lot, a lot of people do, uh, amphetamine themselves, like taking a gram over like a week or a month or whatever, rather than like blasting grams in a night, which again, I've got no problem with anyone doing anything. Um, they're treated as a criminal, yet they're doing the exact same thing. They just don't have a piece of paper that says, oh, this person is allowed to do this, signed yeah. Dr. Who. Do you know, it's... Yeah. it's it's a it's a bollock system of exploitation. It's it's it should be the opposite way around. With that way, I feel it is it kind of like California ninety six. So two two fifteen's just passed, and you kind of you're on a beach in your Venice Beach, and there's literally like a doctor's office and a weed shop, and you go yep. to the weed shop, and he's like, oh, go, go see the doctor, and you're like, oh, doctor, and the doctor's like, oh, oh how are you doing, mate? Oh, I've got this checklist. How's your back? Oh, and he said, good. How are you sleeping? Oh, shit, he's saying it's good. How's your eyesight? Oh, shit. And he's, he's asking these leading questions to get you because then he gets his $100, you get them by the weed next door, and then he gets his kickback. And this is the, yeah. the setting that kind of system up. But what I prefer is you just go see a doc, and he's like, actually, with your history, you probably shouldn't do this drug to excess. There should be that kind of a warning. Like, literally, we know enough that... There are certain genetic markers, certain uh, psychological uh, conditions that can be exacerbated by certain substances. But even then, it should be a, a doctor recommends, like actually recommends. So that it's, that's all it is. You go, thank you, doctor. I hear you. Appreciate your advice. Much yeah. welcomed. I'm then informed. I can then still choose to go and do those things because that's that's what it should be. So in the UK, a doctor says, um. Mm, According to your BMI, you're a little bit obese. I recommend you go to a gym. There's no punishment if you don't do that. But me, now as a prescription patient for cannabis in this country, he recommends that I vaporize it. I then go, doctor, what, what does that mean to vaporize this? He says, well, you're not allowed to combust it. I'm like, what, what do you mean? You said I'm, you recommend vaporizing. You didn't say that I can't do this. And he said, well, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't recommend you do that. I'm like, so what happens if I do that? I don't recommend that. So is the product effective or not? If I smoke it, I don't recommend that. 
So can you answer the question, does it work? I don't recommend that. It's this absurdity and this this threat. I mean, there was a kid recently in the UK, uh, I need to find out if I can contact him and find out the story, who was arrested for not having a vaporizer with his cannabis. (laughs) And yet your doctor, it's a recommendation. What reality are we moving in that the police are enforcing a doctor recommendation that you have gone, thank you for your advice. I heard you. I'm going to choose to ignore it as my it is my legal prerogative. Yeah, you know the one thing I can tell you that I, I am absolutely convinced of the longer I've lived here in the Netherlands is how much happier I am, and I know I made the right call regarding the police. Mm-hmm. The police here are some of the I have to say, and I never thought I'd ever compliment them, but they are some of the best police here I've ever seen. You don't hear about any of these kinds of issues here at all. And even in duress scenarios like this New Year's, you couldn't barely walk. And there's crimes and things that are happening all the time, but the police are on it. There's cameras all over this city. And then I meet and and talk to somebody, um, you know, the lead singer from The Rats, who wrote a song about uh, uh, okay about uh, Liverpool or uh, somewhere out Liverpool and, yeah. and the what was that called a section sixty or something? Uh, I think it's yeah section sixty. And you, you Six or sixty. Yeah. Fuck that! Ten percent of the population are getting pulled over and 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 patted down. It's like, are you kidding me? And that's like automatic. Yeah, it's a quota. It's like, basically, oh. basically, yeah, like Liverpool is a. It's a well, Merseyside in that is that general region is an area onto itself because of a huge allegedly again as always trying to protect myself. I guess you're not even from legal ramifications, more from fucking physical ramifications. Mm-hmm. They're a very corrupt police force historically, currently I would allege in state, um, and they police their population in such a fucking way that it's like an open air prison. It, yeah. it is mental with like the they have the the they call them the matrix vans these big yellow bright orange things that fucking blitz all over the place. You drive into Liverpool, you are passing a dozen, two dozen police cars. Whereas there's other parts of the country you can drive around and not see a copper at all. And right. I, I yeah I completely agree. Um, well, and I mean I, Spain. Spain has got the same kind of issue going on, you know. That, that's why I was saying that. Uh, that was my other one of the other places I, I I considered living in. Also lived in Portugal for a little bit over in Cascais, and mm-hmm. that's also very low key and low. But there's no weed there. Yeah. Um, the well, there's very little. Uh, it, in Spain, did you go to Spanibus this last year? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, do you know Luna Stower? Stower. She's one of the top female cannabis influencers. She is the uh, head of marketing for iSpire, which is the vape pen company that I think makes the vape pens for cookies and other vape pens, obviously. Uh, She told me a story on my podcast about this last trip she took and uh, leaving Spanibus and the two people that actually had the rental car had been drinking Mm. and didn't want to drive. So she had only done a dab or two, I guess, during the day or something. And I I got it. So she doesn't change lanes properly, gets pulled over, does a tongue scrape. There immediately the car is impounded. Her license is restricted. Uh, All of this happens immediately Mm -hmm. and then they're handed the ticket and there's a charge on it fifteen hundred dollars or 
whatever it was. ATMs right over there. Mm -hmm. So they all went over and took out money out of their ATMs, paid it. Everything's done and you're on your way. One of the drunk people had to drive the car. But judge, jury, executioner, all right in one spot, ATMs right there. Fuck. I mean, we're getting into scams on that level now. I mean, I I used to always rent a car. I'll never rent a car there again. Mm -hmm. I'll have to have somebody else. And especially if I'm going to Spanibus, I got to have whoever's pulling me over, whoever's driving has got to be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but I, I, love barcelona i think it's a beautiful city in terms of like it's it's architecture the uh, i was gonna say native culture and what i kind of mean by that is the actual like not any of the expats that have moved out there barcelona is slowly becoming more same as everywhere else really captured i guess just um by people with money that are moving to other areas because their own area sucks which i can understand there's a lot of areas end up sucking but when you take (laughs) your money away that area doesn't get any fucking better is is all i'm saying but the 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 metro brilliant to get around so i i don't like driving in in spain it's one of the spots because of again of the police and a few spanabuses ago i had uh, a shakedown moment where i'd kind of landed i was heading to remedy and it had been raided like two weeks before and so there was two cops in an alleyway nearby and it's down by the bottom of the last rambler or it used to be down by the bottom of the last rambler uh near towards like the christopher columbus statue you, right. can, you come off and it's like two streets over and so i was walking down there and it was when i was still you know the club was going really well i had lots of merch and stuff was uh going to meet uh some, i thought was going to meet some people um turns out you know obviously that in the few weeks since they'd been uh they'd been raided and got in all this shit and i hadn't checked up and these two cops just like popped out in front of us and they were like uh, espanol and i'm like no espanol and then i'm like english and they're like no english and i'm like fucking hell so he grabs a bag i'm like all right take my bag and they go through my bag and it's literally just t-shirts of like with cannabis club and big cannabis leaf on wow i mean they just cannabis. open your oh, shit yeah and just and just start looking through my shit and i was literally like fucking because uh, we couldn't obviously communicate about fucking anything and then they're going through and they're going marijuana marijuana i'm like no marijuana and i'm like trying to point around the corner and going buy marijuana buy to buy marijuana and then like, oh, and, I'm just, and then they get in my wallet in my wallet because i literally just landed i'd landed taking like enough of my personal stuff like toothpaste and shit i would drop that in the hotel room taking the merchant stuff that i was going to go drop to some people and, and stickers and all the stuff so it was just like all this paraphernalia to them and no weed and then all this fucking money and they're looking at each other and i'm kind of like no marijuana no marijuana and obviously in spain they can't like look in your pants or anything like that so at least it wasn't going to get that invasive <laughs> but they're still like patting my pockets i'm like like no marijuana getting really wound up with them and they just drop my fucking wallet and walk away I literally oh. and it's just like my stuff's all over the floor and I said like, you fucking cunts and so well I know that you know what to I know you know what to do now mm-hmm. why am I being pulled over mm-hmm. I'm yes. not discussing my day <laughs> <laughs> I need to yeah definitely need to learn that in yeah the, the 25 words the script from from yes. uh, the from the uh, Pop Brothers last week yeah get that Trans- translated with Google Translate yeah, it's funny because that doesn't work here. Um, I actually mm. asked Luna about that. I said, do you guys know the Pot Brothers? You know the Wasserman? Like, oh, yeah, but that doesn't work in Spain. Uh, when I asked mm. any of those things, no, we'll just take you to jail. <laughs> Which, like, oh. yeah, Spain's really interesting. So I was, I'm, the last time I was out for last Spanabis, I flew out with my prescription pots. So I went and I got my letter from my prescriber. I went to the whole thing of email in the fucking embassy. Actually, I got caught in a loop between the embassy and the consulate 
and we mm-hmm. couldn't figure out which one's domestic and which one is foreign. So like which one is in England helping the Spanish and which one is in Spain helping the English and the, the vice versa sort of thing. Figured that shit out, got through this conversation and then basically spent three weeks emailing and was just like, fuck, so I just printed out the documents that I had, flew over with like 30 grams. So I didn't really have to go to any of the clubs for the first few days. And I was like, I'll let the people who want to meet the people meet the people. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to have a quiet few yeah. days. I even I spoke to the guy at reception at my hotel and showed him my shit, and he spoke English, and I was like, it's going to smell of weed because I have the right to smell a weed sort of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was very comfortable. Went to this club around the corner, tiny little spot, uh, ran by a, a couple of, I think they were uh, Filipino uh, lasses that had kind of moved over. Mm. And a small spot, but really well put together, um, and spoke brilliant English. So I was just chatting with them, and they explained like the, the way that the Spanish do fines. So if you get like caught with cannabis, it's like a, a 600 euro fine, right? Like on the spot, boom, don't just give your fucking money sort of style, right? Yeah. But if you get caught with hash, it's considered a concentrate. And so it can go up to 1200 uh, euros. So hash is a worse offense for them than the fucking than cannabis. And they then consider like something like concentrates is like, like if you had BHO or whatever, that's like, you've got cocaine. Oh God. And yet they have the, the discretion of, of, of the clubs. And so it's, again, the Spanish are not very, unlike the Dutch, where the Dutch police are aware of the, the soft approach and whatever else. And even if they find you with six, seven, ten grams, they're still likely, just fuck off. Just go away. You be quiet, respectful, and we don't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? Uh, whereas the Spanish are literally like, yeah, we know you're buying the weed there. We're going to wait outside. We're going to watch you. Yeah. And go, He's got, look at that watch. He's got loads of money. Let's go have that conversation. Yeah. And it's the tourists are not taught this. And the coffee yeah. shops, uh, sorry, the clubs don't teach them this. And yeah, they're, they're, and worse, they're, they're getting more information. And some of these yeah. clubs got captured during COVID. You know, I heard a, a story that I'm going to keep very ambiguous to protect interested parties of a dude literally just walking into a club with three heavies and a couple of guns and went, who's your licensee? Got the licensee and went, this is ours now. And just squatted it. And just literally to all their supplies, because obviously the, the clubs got shut down to the, the public. And what they were wow. doing was just exporting. They were just running it, like physically cars and shit, like not posting it because obviously the ports and shit, they were mainland, just running it across the mainland. And this is why we had that huge influx, allegedly, of loads of Spanish genetics. And it was bit, they were running on certain supplies. And obviously some of the clubs went back into certain hands when it became less viable for them to be in that position. And some of them integrated same things happen with some of you know the coffee shops in in amsterdam etc i'm I'm definitely not going to name any fucking names but no until like you say with the the hands analogy i think is wonderful it's a a brilliant way of looking at it of saying that there isn't in that modernization of any of that beyond the sale of it you look at it oh by the way well how is it stored how is it transported who's involved with it what else are they doing do they, do they really give a shit about it? Do you know what I mean? Are they really smoking the stuff that they're selling? That to me is is the key thing. Like, do you, what do you recommend on your menu? What do you consume on your menu? What do? You... And there's such a diverse. I mean, they're so different in the levels. I mean, from one to the other, it it's ridiculous. And uh, again, it's one of the reasons why I, I I I I like pre so much. I mean, they didn't. They don't really need to do anything, but they are. And mm. so, you know, at the highest level, and I know this personally at the highest level, that man cares and he really mm. cares and he doesn't want, he doesn't want shitty weed ever coming into the place. He doesn't want, ever want a customer walking out of the place unhappy. Mm. And, 
Jesus, you can't ask for more than that. Um, especially at such as such a large facility. Uh, I, yeah. I, I've, I'm, again, I have nothing but uh, but praise for uh, for that man and the things that he's done. And he's always willing to listen and and learn new things. Um, <laughs> I hope he's that way because I'm getting ready to show him these, which I know it sounds crazy, but you know the jar. The, a lot, most of the coffee shops when you go into Amsterdam, they're either in glass jars or in a plastic container, and you pick that. They open it up, let you smell it, mm -hmm. close it again. Wouldn't it be better if you just had one bud inside something with a magnoscope mm -hmm. and a place where you could open it up without tearing it off and smell it mm -hmm. and leave that actual stash there saving and holding on to all those chirps and all those Although we know now that that's not nearly as important, but, but I, it's, I just it's, I, it's the same conceptual idea. Because again, it's the it's the same as what do they call them? The other there's a volatile. Oh my god, I'm mixing my chemistry up. Uh, yeah, the the, okay. the volatile so co compounds. They they're literally it's in the name. They are they are volatile. Um, and so they yes. break down quite fast. This is where you end up with like the phenomenon of people going, "My weed's dry. It smells amazing," and then it yeah. falls off a cliff. Yes. And so, yeah, if exactly. You, it, it, it's, there is an airflow issue, and this is it's a lot of the academics I know, the doctors, and they always do talk about like the collision of academic science and bro science. And so, mm -hmm. burping is a big frontier in this battle right now. And that's effectively what these shops are doing is that, oof, especially if they're pressured, like if they've got a, a pressure lid, you know, like the vacuum things, they're busy pushing in and forcing, then sucking out and pushing that air out. So you're replacing the full airflow mm. almost every, every time. Um, and so, yeah, like you see, you, you, you're not allowing it to go through, especially the curing process of sitting in its own airflow to allow the, sorry, Chris, I can't remember the fucking yeah. thing. I'm, I'm trying to remember but, what Tasker was telling us the other week about it. But um, there's, the there's, bottom line was that, that this was just a cool thing that I mm. ran across. And it's, and it's just to me, interesting and cool that I'll be able to go to the boss and say, Hey, mm -hmm. this could be a solution. And I know that he will definitely consider it. And that's, you know, again, I don't want to go on too much about the one place. There's, there's so many great spots here and there's so many great owners. There's some really great new products that have been coming in. There's a lot of flash. Uh, there's a lot of bang. Uh, there's not a lot of flash bang. Uh, mm -hmm. I will tell you that uh, I've looked at, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cultivars this year and reviewed. And this has definitely not been one of the better years. Last year wasn't one of the better years. And the year before that wasn't one of the better years. Do, do, uh, we're going on three years now of, of, of getting a lot of things we shouldn't be getting. <laughs> interesting. So do you, I know we have, uh, it's interesting. So we're starting to see a, a sort of slow reduction in mass produced again this isn't along racial lines that i'm mentioning people's nationalities it's just mm -hmm. in terms of the subgroups and organizations so we had chinese national uh, uh triad associated organizations for quite a while um and then the albanians grew side by side with cannabis and cocaine networks so that, like i said they're dominating cocaine supply in countries like spain in portugal in on the the party islands as it were uh, ibiza etc and so yeah they're 
taken into the UK. There's now with what's going on with Albania, uh, looking to legalize, air quotes, legalize medical access and in air quotes, industrial access. Um, and that we've set up a prisoner exchange program that's been running for a couple of years, which has meant that more are going back um, than are reestablishing here in the UK. And actually the quality of life is going down here. So a lot of the boys that were here living their lives right. with their Mercedes and whatever are like, you know what, fuck this place. They're, they're, they're buggering off. So there's a, a, a drop in the market currently we're in a bit of a uh what's the words uh, a drought in in the uk at the minute emerging in different pockets of places because of the absence of the hobbyist and the small time craft cultivar grower um and so we're seeing big amounts of sprayed weed spice weed like pressed like great we used to see like mashed up glass in it years ago like then things that are adding weight and then synthetic cannabinoids yes. that are adding psycho psycho uh almost looks like effects. gold flakes almost looks like gold flakes and, yeah. or, and sometimes they look aluminum yeah and there's now these little brown grit that's really quite light and it breaks and it looks kind of like keith if you shake it out but it's sand but it's not sand it's, it's suspected to be some form of salt um mm -hmm. and so that's kind of that's not just the uk that's all of the 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 uk so that's england island wales we're seeing it in across ireland and northern ireland they're like they're starting to see it across europe and part of me is wondering is this to do with places like Thailand moving forward? Is it because we're seeing a lot of the the American stuff and it's it's been happening for quite a while. I'm not going to accuse any brand or any individual. Any mention is by accident. Mm -hmm. But there are cer <laughs> certain large brands in America that are appearing all over the fucking place. Yeah. So you've got somebody like Cookies that I'm just mentioning for the legitimate element in terms of what they're doing with their clothing lines, their seeds, shops. Mm -hmm. They're establishing uh, certain businesses in areas that, yeah, we all know that they're doing it so that they can push the laws and hopefully set up and sell. But then we're seeing certain products that are produced by companies similar to them, not alleging that it's cookies here, um, that are then turning up in large amounts in different markets. Yeah, we have Mylar bags that are printed and sold every fucking where, and we have this fraud thing. But we also have genuine product that's being diverted from American and Canadian markets because they're failing tests. There's right. too, too much heavy metal. There's too much pesticide, fertilizers. There's something wrong Seeds. with the buds, which bugs. means you can't leave that market. But right. then it lands in a foreign market. People are like, fuck me. And they're paying, as I've seen in some coffee shops wow. or clubs in the UK, 75, 85 pound for fucking grams. Mm -hmm. And you're like... Yeah. yeah. You know, again, uh, it's it's uh, it's a. If I was an interpreter uh, by now, I would definitely be one now, just mm. so that I could know what the hell I was smoking. Um, it is. It's a very strange time. You know, these uh, the big mylar bags just started coming in uh, not too long ago, and I was at one of the other coffee shops, and uh, they had these uh, bags that were um, uh, very seductive on the outside. Mm. Uh, literally seductive um and i think the i'm trying to remember the two cultivars one was uh, lemon poppers and the other one was uh, bubblegum poppers and mm. both of them were not acceptable mm. and you know over the last three years my number one complaint has been over ripe bud and i've i can literally document to you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of premium, what is considered to be premium buds that are just, I've actually created my own nickname for them. They're Marilyn Monroe buds. 
because when you look at them on the outside, they are absolutely stunning. They're gorgeous. And you go, mm -hmm. wow, okay. I'm not getting much of an aroma profile. Okay, well, let's break it open. Oh, everything is amber or brown or has some chemistry inside the trichomes. Mm -hmm. So it's literally Marilyn Monroe. She's 98 years old in 2024. 98? Yeah, she'll be 98 this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, this is this bud is supposed to be used now for uh, medicinal purposes. Uh, you can make a cream or an oil out of that. Cook with that. You're not supposed to be smoking that, mm -hmm. and you're definitely not supposed to be selling it at a premium, premium, premium price. But again, this market is completely different than so many other markets in the world. Again, as you mentioned before, you've got a lot of people that are bringing their dates. They're going to impress their girl for the first time. Um, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this or buy that. You know, I actually created something after I started working at pre, um, that, uh, they've been selling there that is pre-rolls and there, there are five different pre-rolls, uh, sativa and then a sativa dominant hybrid indica dominant, and then an indica. And mm -hmm. I called it the perfect day. And then it's got a little QR code on the inside. You scan it, you go to the website, and it's got itineraries, things that you can do to go with the perfect day, right? Easy. No influence, no problems, no interference, no games, no anything, and just the whatever the, the best of those cultivars are for that time. Um, the, the bud that I've actually been purchasing the last uh, two weeks is grapefruit. Mm. Still, one of the, the the consistently regular great buds uh, when you can find it here, and uh, whenever I see it, it's one of the automatic purchases. You don't even have to think about it twice. Mm -hmm. uh, even if somebody, although somebody might make it, make up a name, that's why you still need to look at it, still need to check it out. But you know the 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 thing again about this this whole market and about this whole uh, city and the way that it works. And for all the cannabis lovers that are coming here, this is still Disneyland. Yeah. Each one of these coffee shops has a different, unique person, owner, bud tender, person of interest, uh, something there that makes them different, unique, and unusual. And there's always at least one or two great cultivars in there. Sometimes they're packed full of them. And you have to go out and explore and or follow all the top influencers from that city that are all doing all the reviews. Almost every, I mean, Barcelona, there's probably 50 guys out that are going around on a regular basis and reviewing buds at all of those coffee shops or social clubs. Here, there's got to be 20, 30 different people that are out doing live reporting on a regular basis of all these different cultivars. And then you just have to determine which one of those reviewers actually knows what they're talking about. <laughs> and then yeah. and even then yeah. like you say it's it's like brand identity and kind of the feeling of it the brands figured out in the 80s that it's less about what they produce than what they make you feel so you know like the whole nike and adidas thing is they're made in the same fucking shop they're the same shoes it's just we put a different thing on it and you go i feel i'm more nike oh i feel i'm more adidas and it's what you associate toward it sort of thing and it, mm. i think that's the way people do yeah with the clubs yeah. and the coffee shops and in, in exactly barcelona and in, in, in amsterdam and i think that should be massively encouraged like you say but there should be a basic standard of regulation of of um of traceability, of accountability, of the whole things that isn't 
um, this this antiquated bureaucracy of punishment. Yeah. It's more this celebration of lifting the rising tide lifts all boats. That actually, yeah. if we yeah, get yeah. this shit out, if we can get everybody to understand what, if you smell something, you go, no, that is there is something definitely on that that we can then, you know, take that away and get it sort of looked at, that there is traceability of these things. And there was obviously two projects just started uh, last year in Tilburg and I want to say Breda because that's the way it reads in my oh, head, well, but is it Breda? Breda. 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 Yeah, Breda. Um, the experiment. Yeah, and so they're obviously in those coffee shops. There's, I think, one coffee shop in each, I think, uh, so far, and they're selling, like, government approved and grown weed yes. alongside the traditionally sourced uh, Half cannabis. Yeah. So it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see how that comes ch- again to register the stats on that, see what it looks like, you know? I had a chance to sample one of the, uh, the legal, one of the first legal uh, mm. cultivars. And it was, uh, this one was grown by a gentleman who I actually knew. His name is, and my Dutch again is terrible, Case, K-E-E-S. Uh, and uh, he is a very well-known uh, grower, manufacturer here, one of the coolest guys that I've met ever since I was here. When I heard that he was one of the people that was going to be doing this, I, that was the first time I went, oh, my God, this is going to be legit. Yes. And I got a chance to taste his first cultivar that uh, I think it's his first one. It's the first one I tasted, and it was um, Permanent Laughter. Obviously, a a variation of the uh, permanent marker Mm -hmm. uh, cultivar. And it was uh, when I got a chance to look at it. I didn't look under under my big scope, but just my my smaller uh, local. scope. it looked beautiful. And the, the, the aroma profile was outstanding. I got a couple of puffs off of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting ready to make another trip out there to go see uh, some of these other I've I've heard good things. And then uh, you know, you have to understand, and rightfully so, I don't think any of the people in Amsterdam or any of the coffee shops are going to be happy about this. Uh, they definitely don't want to have to involve the government in their business in any other, any more ways, mm-hmm. right? And so these other cities, as long as it stays out there, they're probably pretty happy about it. But from anybody who's been in the coffee shop industry here in Amsterdam, I haven't heard too many positive words about any of it. Oh, no, it's not, you know, it's been... I think, to be fair, I mean, they've seen this continuation of an attack against the culture. I mean, the current mayor, again, forgive my Dutch, uh, Femke Halsema. You can call Uh, her anything you want. (laughs) (laughs) From some of my Dutch friends, I've heard them call her some things that even I probably shouldn't repeat on this podcast. Um, But that's their prerogative, again, because, like, her position, obviously, she's been in power for a few years now. We've always seen the same thing. In fact, we're going to see it again regurgitated within the next few weeks because we see it every January in the UK. Is this new story of tourists banned from Amsterdam last time to get your smoke on in Holland? And it's basically a backwards advert for some of the mm-hmm. companies to get you to then go and enjoy it. But actually, the past sort of 12, 12, uh, 12 months, 18 months, obviously, we, there's some hella stories about the intention obviously they've now put into place for the past was it six months the outdoor smoking ban in de wallen uh the historic red light district so obviously this coffee shop still exists up that end there's still uh is it stones i think they do some amazing la confidential uh or have done or had 
used to do quite continually, and it was always my that's my end of night, strong in kind of fucking sleep. And there's a Joker's place and mm. uh, Green place, which are both right over in that same general corner mm. uh, as yeah, well. That are all some good little spots, and obviously they're still, or majority of them, still open, um, mm. but they're not obviously allowed to consume out sides and there is then a movement to create what did you term it an erotic center um that they want to create in is it the southern part of the city in zud z-u-i-d again my dutch is terrible there i think that's the north uh, north sorry um yeah and they want to Basically, creating like an erotic tower. <laughs> so the language of this is hilarious, and so they basically want a, a skyscraper section, and it basically the vertical upright windows above the first and second floor would be the traditional red lights. Ooh. Which I'm not sure how that works as that goes up and be able to like do the grid. There's a famous uh, episode of I think it's Friends where Joey uh, is in like Monica and Chandler's apartment and he, he sees a woman that he likes across the road and he runs over the other building. He can't figure out which window correlates to which door. And it'll just be that, that sort of thing. But yeah, the one sex museums and shops and I think again was described as sex culture on the ground floors. And then it kind of works its way up in terms of the clubs and various, uh, what I'm guessing she would term. It's all silliness. It, again, it's, yeah, the, the Dutch are being silliness. towards this. And this is what I think, again, makes it, yes, it's a, it's a Disneyland for can- cannabis consumers and for that as well, but it's also a Disneyland for sexual purveyors, people that like to express and explore their sexuality. And it's for a couple of years. Yeah, like yeah. since the 1400s, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it's got a, a little, a little bit of. of but she history. probably knows better. Exactly. So it's it's, <laughs> and again, there are families that are raised when you go to the red light district, say during the day and during the night, and you watch the evolution of this space. It's amazing to to see it to go down and have it. Or used to be able to go down, have a joint by the canal, and you can oh, say, to sit it. sit and watch the mo- the night become the morning, and the morning become the day, and it's amazing. Yeah, I don't want to get. In- I don't want to get in trouble here, but I can tell you that also in the last few years, and it might just because I'm getting old and, and I've been married a long time, but, you know, walking through there at nighttime, it's getting harder and harder to tell who the girls are working that are there and who's on the mm-hmm. street. It, the the fashion change of the last couple mm-hmm. of years has been uh, interesting kind of pro hooker uh, in, <laughs> in, in some of the, the fashion choices mm-hmm. and some of the makeup choices and stuff. I think um, it's 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 a, a simulacra, uh, uh, an opportunity to, to to simulate that experience in a way that yeah. is in the same way that again, like I was describing before, <laughs> I like this. Um, <laughs> the describing like the stoners before. So like, I mean, I walk around with everything that's indicative of cannabis sure. all day, every day. There's something I'll be wearing a hat that says some seed company or some. Um, Ninety percent of my clothes are free shit I'm given, and it's yeah. the, the brands I'll be like. Ah, Actually, I respect you guys. I'll wear your shit. Do you know what I mean? It's a nice yeah. t-shirt. I'll definitely wear that. Cool. And so I'm always repping something, but there are obviously people yeah. that can't. They'll then land at Amsterdam and be like, I want to wear a wee t-shirt. I want to this. And it's that you go full on in the same way you would at Disneyland and there's D- Disney adults yes. become children for a while. Mm. That's ex- an understanding of it. And a lot exactly. of the people there understand that. I think it's it feels like gentrifying forces. Again, the true natives, as I was kind of alluding to uh, in Barcelona, they like their history and they like the way that things are going and they don't want new forces coming in, gentrifying, going, no, no, that's not how we do that. And as you say, it's like, we've done this for hundreds of fucking years. We're, we're known for this shit. Don't come and fuck with what is us. And I think that it, it's this kind of 
we're seeing it everywhere across the world of this kind of traditionalism versus progressivism. People call it left versus right, Republican, yeah. conservative versus fucking... It's happening everywhere. Yeah, and it's it's not a binary. It's not an either-or. You can be both of all things. Like, I am massively conservative on some fucking things. I am yeah. so left-wing on some of the things that Jesus Christ. And a lot of that bell curve... It's a fucking circle. We go round and round with these fucking things. And ultimately, we have to learn with humility to disagree. I cannot be right on everything. I definitely know that. <laughs> Nor should I be entitled to be. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what totally. Instagram represents for a lot of people is where that can collide. And you can have conservative individuals raising their children and, and walking through the red light district and whatever. And there's a distance and a separation of respectability but also uh, an integration. And that to me is true diversity. It is, is that acceptance of the other. If not going, this has to look exactly as I want it. This ha That was a very awkward gesture to do talking about yeah, European politics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the, this this need to, to make the world look and act and behave as they do. Like, to me, that whether it's left-wing or right-wing or centralist, if you that is your approach, that is fascism. If by force you want to mold the world in your view, I don't want to live in that world. How boring would that fucking be? No, I. You know, again, I, I've done my best to stay out of politics, uh, both here and in the United States. Thank goodness, um, since I've been gone, and it's, uh, you know, again, the here, uh, I'm, I'm. To me, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I'm working in the best industry with the coolest people. Uh, I had a great conversation the other night. We were talking about how dogs and stoners are the best, uh, uh, the best judges of humans. Um, you, you can take another stoner out and go meet any other people on the street from any kind of thing. And what, yeah, good guy, bad guy. Same with the dog. Dog will be able to spot it. And they're talking, yeah, no, I don't want to hang out with him. No, I'm mm -hmm. good. We're, we're incredibly good at finding good, nice, people and good nice people tend to generate towards our industry and again i've i've had this opportunity now for this last year to meet so many cool people from all around the world that i've a lot of countries i'd never ever met anybody from hmm. um i've had very uplifting and depressing kind of scenarios i met a man that was 90 years old that had just lost his wife um and they used to come to amsterdam and smoke a joint and pre to me every time they used to come and uh, he couldn't get his lighter lit. He was in the corner going like this. And I said, can I help you? And he goes, ah, fucking lighter. <laughs> you know, and he's 90 years old, right off the bat. I go, oh, this is going to be good. And um, uh, I, I lit it, and he goes, uh, yeah, it started with me with uh, my fucking wife just died. Mm. And I went, oh, dude, I'm sorry. He says, yeah, I've been married 60 years. Wow. I said, 60 years. I'm like, that's a long time. I've been married 33 years, and that's a long time. He goes, yeah, the first one was great. And then uh, <laughs> I started laughing. You know, Wait, you were married 60 years, and the first one was great? He goes, yeah, the first one was great. Next nine years sucked. Uh, barely stayed married the whole time. And then we had a kid. And then we loved the kid. And we all became all about the kid for the next 20 years. And then after 30 years, 30 years on, it was like we were one person, right? Mm -hmm. So incredibly fulfilling, entertaining, wonderful experience. Got to smoke a joint with this guy. 
And, you know, one of, you know, several hundred different interactions that I'm getting to pull in now, and that's just the ones in the club, mm -hmm. right? And handling all the social media, now I'm dealing with all the people on all of their social media platforms. And the, the questions and the interactions and the people talking about their experiences there and showing and sharing their pictures of what mm -hmm. they had, what, it's very fulfilling. And uh, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And, and every, all day, every day, I'm thinking about Franco. Mm -hmm. When I'm doing this job for them, I'm thinking about Franco because mm -hmm. I will never forget again how perfect that scenario was with him. And, and I, got, I got a chance to have him for a week before one of the cannabis cups. Mm -hmm. We checked into the hotel a week ahead of time. And uh, it was the Grand Hotel right next to the, the greenhouse. So I nice. literally, the, the, right next door, there it was. And uh, he was the first coffee shop I went to in Amsterdam. He was the first guy I met. Uh, I didn't meet Aryan until years later. Uh, he was the guy. And mm -hmm. that was the whole representation of what that Amsterdam scene was for me for a while. And uh, anytime I ever talked about it, I talked about this guy and how much time he spent. And even going through the, I was one of the judges for that year, and he was saying, okay, well, this is what you're going to see, and this is what you need to know. I didn't know any of it. And he, he was just, again, sincere uh, is another word that I, I like to put in. And it's one of the things that I'm hoping that I'm able to do as well is to, you mm -hmm. know, let people know that I'm, I'm not just kind of doing it, but I'm doing it because I love it. And nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like you are. Yeah. yeah. You're doing I, it because you love it. I'm doing it because, I, yeah, it's, I'm obsessed. I, I can't get it out of my head. I can't, every talk, every interaction, every thought about it, it lights me up. I'm excited. I feel the dopamine and serotonin rush. I feel closer to my future, as stupid as that sounds, every day. No that it's I'm not wasting a life I'm investing I'm researching I'm l truly learning from lived and living experience what this is I'm not you know sat just staring into a textbook somewhere and pontificating yeah. on it I'm like nah I don't know everything folks but here's what I know today and just kind of sharing and learning and adapting because I, I believe we all have a tiny part to play we're all but yeah. a grain building the giant joint that will move us forward. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had a chance to talk to Russ Hudson yet? Russ Hudson? No. Oh, okay. Write that one down. Russ Hudson, the big book of Terps. And the big book of Terps, too. And formerly, he was the man to know in Barcelona and still is a man to know in Barcelona. But with the first time I ever went to Barcelona, he was the guy who could get you into all the clubs and had contacts with every single club. And it was the, several years later when he came out with that book. And he has a, a meme out right now, which I would highly recommend you take a look at. It's called The Big Meme of Terps, which you can find online. It's probably about four or five pages long, but it's it's a printable piece, and it is one of the best ones I've ever seen that shows the cultivar, cultivar's general characteristics, aroma profile, terp breakdown, and then how it can affect you medically. Uh, medical suggestions. Mm. 
Mm, Interesting. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the better ones I've ever seen. And uh, hmm. uh, he is a fantastic interview. If you get a chance, uh, I'll check, very, check, uh, check out his work and uh, and, and reach out to him because yeah, yeah, there's always that's another that. one. Oh, yeah, getting getting that knowledge, pulling all that knowledge in from all those sources. That's he's one of those. It's just like <laughs> no, it's it's the whole kind of the whole point of what I'm doing here is I'm trying to create partially like a time machine uh, like a what's it called a time capsule so i'm locking in the interviews and conversations so when i'm much older when i'm in my 60s 70s whatever touch wood if i ever get that far um yeah. <laughs> um i've got this i can say no 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 you you, you liar this was the guy he said this here's the preacher you know what i mean so I've, I've got that and i'm learning as i go but also i'm I don't, I'm not teaching, but others are learning with me. My audience is, they're, if they're absorbing this and watching this, they've got the opportunity to learn the same things that I do. Obviously, they don't have the same starting point that I did, but it should be, I'm hoping enough that each episode, each guest is enough that the and um, at least one member of an, the audience scans, ooh, and delves into some rabbit hole and truly learns something new because they could then potentially discover something that then feeds back into this. And then we all learn something new and that's what many hands make light work. And eventually we'll understand this beyond it and we'll truly understand how in our infancy we all are with this right now. Yet there are some academics and some corporate individuals and politicians painting this as if they know everything about it. And it's yeah. anybody yeah. speaks with that much certainty <laughs> I'm always suspicious of. Can't help it. <laughs> well, I totally buy into the 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 whole, the whole time capsule element of it. I think is truly important. Uh, I have a photograph of just about every bud I've smoked over the last uh, seven, wow. eight years, uh, and uh, they're all microscopic shots filed put away. I created some artwork with some of the better ones, uh, which is on uh, the Captain Hooter art. Uh, a website uh, and you know some of these are truly phenomenal to look at and some of them you'll look at them and you go oh that's a seed mm -hmm. oh that's a I shot a bud I, I think it's one of the latest ones if you go to the Captain Hooter art Instagram it was the uh, it was the stem of a hydroponically grown bud that had a mylar packaging that said it was doja. And I believe the cultivar was, uh, I'm not, I'm not positive. Um, but take a look at the stem, just the stem by itself it's one of the most unique and interesting visions i've ever seen in cannabis and if you know a lot about growing you'll look at it and you'll say oh okay well that is obviously a hydroponically grown bud but then what you'll see is a tremendous number of little pips that are inside there little tiny holes and uh, one of my other expert friends contacted me and he says that had to have been a plant that was under some really major metabolism. Lots of crazy things were happening with that plant. Normally, you'll have one big hole. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're able to see that or if you're looking at it or not. I'm try, trying to. Uh, uh, so th- no, that's Worldwide Inst- Bud Report. That's not right. Inst- Instagram, uh, Captain Hooter Art. It is, it's something that, again, I've never seen before. And it's either the last one or the one before it. You'll see it. It's a, because it doesn't look like a bud. It's a stem. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah, so we okay. can do this. I should bring it up. Is this what we're looking at? There you go. That's it. Now look it's at like that. It's like spongy. Yeah. Isn't that something? Have you ever seen anything like that before? No. So is this a stalk end? This is the this is the yeah, the this is the the end of a of a a bud and the little stalk that was revealed. Actually that was what was real revealed when I broke the bud open. The stalk that was on the inside. Wow, so this this, this yeah. it's something, but it, it it's not a good something. Well, like in, I'm obviously not into from a novice looking at it. In my brain, it's the reason that it would do something like that is it. It's either like a, a hormonal reaction, so like light sensitivity or something like that that's caused a reaction, or potentially something that's in it. Yeah, I've had the feedback from two different experts. Uh, one's a botany uh, uh, doctor. Uh, they said it was hypermetabolism. That some which is a obviously a code word for some sort of growth uh, enhancer, mm. and uh, but fascinating again. Just I've never in all the photos that I've shot, and I've probably got almost two thousand now of of finished. And the way that I shoot my photos is each bud I'll shoot uh, four or five at least different kinds of photo shoots, and each one of those photos will be anywhere between twenty and fifty photographs. Mm. And then I take them and stack them so that I, I'm able to give you more of a 3D perspective of mm. the photo itself. But I mean, I, as soon as I saw that, I went, holy shit, it, it almost looks like somebody is frowning at me. Um, <laughs> looks, like, looks like my shirt. The guy's uh, <laughs> it's like, what's a face doing? What's a face doing in my mm. stem? That's that's it's crazy. But again, I think that we're going to be seeing more and more of these types of things. Uh, with all the different games that are being played, like you said, this we're seeing in the in the uh, the US. When I was out and visiting some farms in California, I was speaking to some of the guys, and they were like, "Yeah, we're getting fucked because we're putting in things that we're told is one thing, hitting tests, and then it turns out it's someone else, and then we go back to the company and go, you provided these fucking newts.'" what the hell is this? And they go, well, we bought this. And they're chasing the fucking tails up the supply chain, trying to figure out who yeah. fucked who. When nine yeah. times out of 10, or at least back then, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, they were fucking each other. <laughs> they were, it was just a circle jerk. Everyone fucked each other until the last guy went, I guess I'm holding the responsibility then. Yeah. And that was often the legacy farmer, the guy trying to do it right, trying to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll step in. I'll pay my taxes, even though they're a bit exorbitant. I've got a brand. I've got my my experience. I'll fucking play the game. And yeah, all the, these dickheads came in and went, "Oh, you need to buy soil now. Buy it from us. You need to buy this. Buy it from us." And these corrupted chains. And like you say, so it's we need people like yourself that are doing this. To, we almost need an establishment of what is good weed, or what like the spectrum yes. is from starting from perfect in the middle, going to 
it's been fucked with by man on this end and it's tolerable and then it passes the window of you shouldn't be consuming it to then it's yeah. na nature because we're seeing a lot of things like you know like freak show or that someone recently i can't remember the name of the mutation but where the bud head basically creates like a trail and it's like yes. a you see the coral effect in nature you know it creates like the labyrinth yeah and, and those kind of mutations so that's that. so a lot of them are naturally occurring so they're not caused by environmental stimuli or they may be exacerbated by it but not technically full caused by it whereas the right. other end of the pgrs and these uh growth regulators or we'll call them retardant agents is in this slow certain aspects of the plant's production and then can we talk about that yes certainly because yeah. the, the pgr thing is really interesting because you know there's there's different things uh having seen uh, different buds as they arrive here at, at other coffee shops, not necessarily uh, pre to me, but other coffee shops, you know, they come in different formats, right? You'll sometimes often see them come in, uh, in uh, packages where all the air is sucked out of it, you know, mm. and then they seal it and nobody knows how long, or I, I, I guess I didn't know how long it had been in there. When those buds come out and you see a lot of these buds, they're hard as a rock. Mm. Right. Um, I've also seen hydroponic buds uh, come out and after they not even stored that way, but just normally come out and come out hard as a rock mm -hmm. um, uh, and with a, a lighter um, a terpene profile. So you can really all three of these can be mislabeled or those two can be mislabeled as a PGR. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's only really when you get down into it, right? And you mm -hmm. can start looking inside and take a look at, are there any uh, uh, trichomes? Which trichomes are in here? Is it all dominated by sessile trichomes? Do you have any bulbous? Do you have any stocked uh, glandular trichomes in there? Mm -hmm. Is it a, a whole Chinese army of them, but there's nothing in there? Okay. Mm -hmm. These are, And then you've got, again, going back to the Marilyn Monroe buds. So like for what I do, is I'm older, and because I'm older, fuck me, um, I'm older, but uh, you lose your aroma perception. It starts to deteriorate. I think it starts around 50, although I know a couple of sommeliers that are, have excellent aroma perception. For me, mine started going away when I was about 50. I still can pick up most basic things, but that is not what I judge any of my cannabis on. I judge my cannabis, first of all, by doing a physical on it. And so I will fully break open that bud and microscopically look through all elements of it. And every leaf, every quarter, I'll break it in five different places. And I'll usually, if I'm on a big bag, I'm going to take a bud from the bottom, from the mm -hmm. middle, and from the top. You'd be amazed at how many differences there are between the bottom and the middle and the top. And I've been trying. And again, here's this. This is another one of those scenarios here. People have been doing business here in Amsterdam for decades with the same people for decades. People that you trust, they're always good. They're always fine. Nobody ever checked any of the things, you know. Mm -hmm. And if you're in one of the, the shops that you've just got people coming out the door, why would you need to? And then all of a sudden people started looking. Mm -hmm. And then people started checking. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this has bugs in it. Wow, this has seeds in it. Mm -hmm. Wow, this has hairs in it. Mm -hmm. uh, wow, these have strings in it. Mm -hmm. uh, while I was judging this year, uh, judging in the Jack Haircup, one of our samples that came in had a live mite in it. Hell. <laughs> a live one. It's bad enough to have a bug. How about a live one? 
and and here's the funny part. While we were there, we made a joke about it. Like I'm, I'm saying, how? Because like what? Because nobody's looking. No, but I'm, I'm thinking of the logistics of like where has it been racked? Where has it been dried? Where has it been? Pr- uh, what? How has it not died at any point from pressurization or from like? Is it was it flown over, yeah. over temperature? Like this. I've just got so many que- in my head. I'm just witnessing like yeah. a Disney Pixar movie about this mite's journey to the Chats. Yeah. <laughs> More likely, it was something obviously grown locally, so it didn't have to yeah. be packaged up from that aspect. I mean, you could you could eliminate a few things. What, what was funny about it was while we were there, we started joking and saying, "Hey, man, I want to smoke that mite." I bet you that's got some good shit. And then it starts saying, "I bet you it's got some psychotropic the, all the shit that that mite's been through." Mm. I bet you we will get up on this mic and so just so we just joked about it right two weeks later i'm sitting in my little box up there and somebody said yeah man i was uh, over at a friend's house and and we found a mite uh in one of our uh, buds and uh you know what man i heard a rumor that if you smoke it you will get (laughs) i I love how shilla just sneaks out just wow that was quick (laughs) that was quick there's fun rumors and stuff there's like a a grower a grower here that i met the very nice young man um and every friday night he uh he's he takes um uh, five grams of mushrooms magic mushrooms and drinks a gallon of water or a gallon of tea and he pees into a bucket and he uses that bucket to water his plants and he does it every week, and he's convinced that it gives his his flowers psych- psychotropic properties. I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to do again. No. I'm reading Go some ahead. basic chemistry in my brain here. I'm pretty sure, like psilocybin <laughs> breaks down into psilocin mm. uh, in the body. I think it is. Is it serotonin? I can't even pronounce the word. Serotonin. So it, it, it's same as LSD. It modulates yep. on the serotonin um, receptor. Does it then? I don't think it does. It doesn't do the first pass thing like the cannabis does on the way to, to the liver. So I, basically, I, I don't think it passes through. Correct. But who's gonna do no, it? It doesn't pass through. <laughs> it, it doesn't pass through in humans, but it does in some animals because that's where the whole drinking reindeer piss. Uh, right. to get Amanitas comes from the whole like that's a one version of like where Santa Claus and all of that kind of thing comes from very interesting <laughs> narrative and story um, I think it's a great story no matter what but yeah and yeah I mean the, I, the, the I work in terms of like, the, the what's in it will in some way dependent on his other part, aspects of his diet will yeah. feed, feed the plants I that I was mean, my next question you're good yeah that was my next but, question but if you're not if you're not then going to have if you're uncomfortable with somebody, you know, having a wank and then washing their hands, going to work and touching your bud. How are you doing that? Yeah, it's like, that's literally, because again, the plants are made from what they're fed from. So yeah. <laughs> if that's what they want to do, you enjoy that, mate. Yeah. That's, that's you yeah. know, and I, I won't judge you for it. I'm not going to then consume it. Thank you for telling me you've done that. I'd much rather you yeah. make that public than be like, I'm, I'm pissing in my plants and I'm selling it to people because then that becomes a bit like a, a fetishy kind of kink yeah. thing. And I'm a bit like, I don't, I'm not participating in that. I thought it was amazing. You know, there's, there's so many, uh, if you've ever talked to two chains, uh, two chains did an interview with, um, fuck, what's his name? Uh, he created 
a, and I'll remember his name in a minute. He created a cultivar in California called Veganic. Oh my days. Yeah. And it's the, the, the Veganic fed and the whole thing. They're getting up to like a thousand fucking bucks for an ounce yes. and shit. I mean, I literally for two years, <laughs> I was growing Veganic because I mean, I'm, I'm a vegan, have been for about 10 years and BioBiz, the company that I happen to rep, this isn't a shout out, love them a bit, love the product. Uh, okay. Very, very clean, fucking uh, organic. Uh, what they called? How do you call the process? Uh, nope, so no PGR. Yeah, and it's like like a kind of fermentation makes their fucking process. Then it's watered down, obviously. To yeah, but anyway, um, if you basically take out their fish mix, that is a vegan range. In terms of if you look at the company's carbon footprint, you look at what they do to produce the other products. Then there is right. no animal products or byproduct in that. You can run that quite cheap for a full cycle every year and it's the same thing but it's literally it's it's the marketing hype of, of it on on the other side of it is to where it oh, fucking went with it and it's yes there is a slight difference in some flavors like but it depends on the cultivar and how good you are anyway like it, not to toot my own horn or anything but like i know how to produce to make me very fucking happy and i'm very fucking fussy yeah. and it's like it's, <laughs> That's not my it's, level. It's, yeah. it's my regular comment is I could never own a coffee shop here. Mm. I could never because I would never have stock. I would have no stock. I would be mm. the guy, oh, sorry, try again tomorrow. I'd literally uh, be running around trying to produce your own shit and then do your own And it's like, no, but because, and I think that's what more people need the experience of. Once you grow your own, there's a tipping point where it just starts clicking and you keep falling off these cliffs of knowledge and just going, oh, yep. shit. And then you climb back up and then you go, oh, fuck. And once you hit that wall of humility and you go, ah, I can know the science and I can know what works for me. But if I start yeah. going out there and saying, this is how you fucking do it, I've missed the point. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's funny because I've never grown ever, um, but I've known you know thousands of growers and I've heard all kinds of great stories. When I was in Jamaica, I, one of the best stories, there's a, a, a gentleman there who has a beautiful... Uh, 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 grow that he keeps in his backyard and he probably has 50 plants and he gave me a tour and that tour took about two hours and it was phenomenal and it was it was a man who basically had 50 members of his family out there under that that tarp this is little Joni. little Joni, you should have seen her when she first came up she was sick all the time i didn't think she was going to make it I tried to give her a little of this. I did a little of that. I moved her to a different spot. Then all of a sudden, she's fine. Now look at her. Mm -hmm. she, and talking about it just like one of his children. And he did that with every single one of those plants. Um, I did an interview on one of my earlier podcasts with a gentleman that uses music. Mm -hmm. And he has a whole system with uh, wires. And they basically surround, uh, uh, surround his growth had areas and he has been experimenting with all different kinds of music and all different types of, of uh, sounds mm -hmm. and um, uh, phenomenal to watch the leaves vibrating you know while he's playing mm -hmm. you know Ozzy Osbourne uh, <laughs> it, you know but it as it turns out and I haven't got an update from him recently but at the last point the the the, the most successful sounds that he had been pumping out was monks doing chants oh, um, and uh, the sound of heartbeats mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Well, again, makes makes sense. I mean, it's the uh, what is it called in like Ayurvedic? The the music of the spheres. It's like the, the sound of life, um, right. literally. So it, it it resonates because I mean we're starting to understand that plants have heartbeats, which kind of fucks us up. That they resonate with us. You literally feel it. Go to a forest, folks. Let's go stand up yeah. some trees. As as one of the farmers at Mendo said on the way back, and they're like, dude, he like this big dude led it to me went you need to go hug a redwood. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, I'm a bit hippie-ish back in the atrium. I was like, what? Stopped on the side of a road going through one of the forests on the way down towards, uh, where the fuck was I heading? I was heading to San Francisco and literally this giant thing and just, it moves. And obviously it moves because it's blowing in the wind or whatever. It, 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 it's what you feel it in yeah. a way that is beyond the senses that you normally sense shit with. Do you know what I mean? Without sounding too like spiritual hippy dippy with it you can it resonates with you deeply in your core yeah. there's something and i think there is an awareness of you and them i mean i say good morning to my girls every day you know it's morning ladies how you doing you you spend that time with them as you were saying before like with the with the mothers i've had mothers sometimes that i've kept for several years and it's they are they become a family member yeah. and they, you trend treat them well and they they provide for you and you're probably producing a really great product too. You know, th an interesting comment that Luna did on our podcast is Luna said, uh, and this might've been the quote from the whole podcast, quality doesn't scale when it comes to weed. And I, whoa, that's a big statement, right? Mm -hmm. Cause there's a lot of people growing, you know, you have to be able to have somebody in charge of that that can handle that scale mm -hmm. that doesn't sacrifice who he was with the smaller scale. With mm -hmm. the, when, when you start getting into a scenario where you've got all of these fields and all these different people and all these other things getting involved in it, you know, it's just, uh, it seems to have been a lot of heartbreak on there. Again, all stuff that I'm learning, not being a grower from just mm -hmm. being around all these other great it's, experts. Yeah. And it's like the best. Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing because it's yeah it's what i appreciate about like steve d'angelo's realization and he was wow. like five thousand acres or whatever oh no that's that's too large five thousand square feet or whatever he basically came with a number and he was like anything beyond that you kind of have to make these sacrifices and it you know, it doesn't work and i saw that in other states wherever i landed and i went to meet farmers and producers and yeah they showed me their crop and i'm like look at this we got fucking 100 a year 200 there and i'm like mm. yeah very nice uh Where's your plants? Like, well, where's mm -hmm. your plants? Like, oh, you want to see the girls? And they, with excitement yes. and glee, show you 10 plants or five plants. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. I want to smoke some of that shit. That and it's like, personal, mate, but I know that's the one you... Re and it's it, it's the other things. It's We can yeah, call it just attention and awareness to it, but they fucking know. Again, without getting too lost in it, there's like the Japanese guy that did the water experiments and like they put intention toward them. They shouted at them and they like using effectively sound currents and waves and then froze them. And dependent on the intention or the language in which they were spoken to, the formations of the crystals when they froze changed. So the, the nicer the word of the water, the more uniform the crystals formed. Oh, that's so cool. I hadn't heard that before. See, that's that, that plus then these music experiments, and they, they've, they've yes. done them before uh, at academic levels, and they found, like, yeah, classical music, and music yeah. of a certain, like, older era of classical, where it was, again, it was people trying to 
uh, like say uh, what the hell's his name? He did four seasons. It was Vivaldi, and it was like they were again yeah. taking. The, it was an homage of nature. It was the sound of nature, and so effectively, what I think you're doing is that plant is a wild plant. So when she's hidden in a grow room and she's just got some fans blowing and an extractor fan and all this like mechanical noise and that around her, it can only ever do sort of so well when that plant is used to having bugs all over it, is used to having 15 different plants touching its roots and sharing in this symbiosis on this mycorrhizal level with all, you know, these these mushrooms and fungal systems. And I think that's why living, just... living soil is starting to move somewhere really with it. Yes. Where you They're plug in this plant in and it's like, what wow, the plant just goes fucking doof and you're like okay there's something to that i mean it's a lot harder for a, your average clandestine grower to keep up with if you especially if you rent or whatever and you need to be able to take a system down and kind of go la 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 la, la for a few days and then put it back up you know hiding a thousand liters of soil is not necessarily an easy thing to do easy thing to do i have a friend of mine here who does the uh, korean natural farming and the living mm. soil and he brought us a uh pepper plant from Jamaica and uh, just a little baby. Holy shit. Mm. I mean, I've never seen a pepper plant produce that many. I mean, there was a pepper on this little two foot tall plant that looked like an heirloom tomato. Mm. It was gigantic. Mm. And it, I mean, they're just starting to get into to working with all that. Can you imagine in, you know, 10 years from now, when all of this research and all the stuff that's going on now starts mm. to come, you know, I, I'm, I'm positive that there's going to be a cultivar that'll come out. That'll be, uh, you know, Motley Crue and it will have only been grown to the music of Motley Crue. <laughs> right. You'll, you'll start having things that the, the different kinds of mm -hmm. bands that all have their own cultivar that was raised with, the harmonics and sound of only their music with the how about that that was uh <laughs> so obviously jay-z owns uh rock nation now and he is one of the main investors in did they even settle on a name or did they just call it the parent company i think is what they ended up calling it their investment vessel and so he announced like i think it was two years ago that basically everybody on uh rock nation records his record label would have an opportunity to get a cannabis brand so it's gonna be like alicia keys kush and shit like that um so i think adding that as an extra dimension yeah wow but i mean as you said like the the farming aspects again it's uh, what is it? I uh, can't remember the quote. Something about necessity being the mother of invention. Mother necessity of invention. invention. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's that's what cannabis growers and stoners are. We are problem solvers times 10. You give a cannabis consumer some cannabis and no way to consume it, we'll figure out a fucking way to smoke through something. You know what I mean? Yeah. With paraphernalia being illegal in the States for so many years, that's where we got like smoking through a carrot or an apple or a, anything's a bong if you really try hard enough. Um, it's so crazy to me, honestly, how much has changed. The last mm. time I was there, I mean, it was absolute night and day. And I mean, the ease to see what the future is going to be like mm. is ridiculous. And yes, there's lots of downfalls with all of the the uh, the mass uh, uh, profit seekers that that kind of ran amok there. But the basics of being able to have weed again delivered to your door. You can have mm -hmm. I can right now pick up the phone, call this company and order four different cultivars, pay them online, and have it delivered to my door in 30 minutes or less. Faster than fucking Domino's mm -hmm. Pizza. 
Yeah, man, and that's that's where we're going with with the UK as well, with the the clinics being online and it being detached from the NHS. And I think that's where a lot of companies want to go with this. They want to remove yeah. us from retail and touching the plant. They want us to. Mm. I believe my my paranoia or fear is the powers that be want to benefit from cannabis being everywhere, as in they get to sell it, they get to regulate it, they get to own it and control it. But they don't want us to have an awareness or too much of a connection to it. We just buy the that's the giggly one. It's got a smiley face on it, makes me laugh. That's the this t- tired face one that puts me to sleep. Them to have just enough knowledge for them to gain enough of a, a, a novice relationship with it, but for them to be so disconnected from the plant that no one would think to grow it. Yeah. And then over time, they can ramp it up and go, actually, yeah, we've turned this bud up. It's now we've edited it. So this produces 50% THC. So actually, you only need to consume 0.1 gram a day. Do you know what I mean? Or they then make, because that's what they do with every drug is they took opium, relatively benign, smoke it in your pipe and pass out, not going to kill your opium. And they turned it in a car fucking fentanyl. That's that same system is just getting a hold of weed. So I think on one side of it, they're doing that because in true relief, they're in a huge lawsuit in in uh, Florida at the minute. We needed to do the pointing going to that little yeah, pointing Florida. It's funny one. Yeah, the funny one. Sorry, Floridians. Um, there's a, a lawsuit there with is it Santos, their fucking governor, whatever the hell his name is, and he's backing yeah. it of basically non-consumable medical cannabis, not smoking medical that's what they're trying to define it and i think they're trying to set a new standard in america as they are in europe that no 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 smoking cannabis will always be a drug you've got to then vaporize it and even then the tra- i think they're not trying to make that as maximally beneficial as possible because they want us towards the pills towards the epidiolex towards the fucking sativex these abstracted pharmaceuticalized patented drugs that they've spent decades and billions at this point researching and developing right. And so I think they're letting us run rampant with the plant for now, all giddy, and then they're going to clamp down and go, no, 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 no. All cannabis is medical. And that means that doctors have to say you're allowed it, which means only us will be able to do it. Because that's what, you look at the health and human services in America and the DEA and the government, this trifecta of, of fuckery, and they go, no, Schedule 3, it'll, be, it'll help all these people. And they've written in a little clause that basically says, if you don't already have an existing cannabis program, we set your state cannabis program. If you do, mm-hmm. you kind of have to have this soft referendum and have a chat about it. But I guarantee you that is going to be a loaded deck because oh. all the cure relief and all the other big boys that are operating like a hundred plus dispensaries across multiple states, they're going to want the other end of the thing. They'd rather cause you up to the pharmaceutical companies, I think, and have to produce the non-consumables and squash it out. Cause I mean, that's where the future is going with it. They want the ability to criminalize us still. They've seen our culture yeah. and they don't like us. We're anti-war. We, we carry the worst aspects of every generation that came before them distilled. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're literally, they were yeah, all their fears. We're socialists, yeah. even though we're not. We're fucking hippies, <laughs> even though we're not. We're anti-capital, even though we're not. Like We are, but we aren't, if you know what I'm saying. Like, they like yeah. have put all their enemies, the boomers put, feel like put all their enemies in one basket and gone, they're weed smokers. Get rid of the smoking yeah. of the weed. We want the weed, though, because I'm dying and my arthritis hurts, so I deserve to live longer using that weed, but I still want to demonize their culture, which when you look at Nixon, that's where the modern war on drugs came from, was the yeah. demonization and vilification of certain subcultures. And so I think it's they want their cake and eat it. I am not a crook. Yes, yeah, son of a bitch. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, 
you know, it's it, it's a uh, again, we're all we're all fighting our own different wars in our different ways in our different countries, and I think that they're leaving everyone alone just enough uh, so that nobody gets crazy. Mm. And uh, you know, it's 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 strange. Like I I've been ha- most of my conversations in the last couple of weeks have been about Instagram and about how many accounts and how they the, how they're censoring the accounts on mm. on Instagram and how inconsistent they are and oh, how God, yeah. you know one thing on this guy's post is okay and uh, the exact same thing on somebody else's post is enough to get banned and a problem mm-hmm. it's um i i can see some sort of a a a, a day coming in the future where that's going to be hit with a big class action lawsuit or something's going to happen where there's going to be a giant revolt against Instagram. Cause it is one of the better profiles to be able to show off your buds and mm-hmm. have good followers and good interactions and everything. But, uh, they have a, a policing, uh, you know, and it's not all AI. It's not a program. There's a person and mm-hmm. there's, there's somebody making decisions in there outside of, cause if it was AI be consistent. Um, this isn't consistent. And I've, I've had a friend, a couple of friends of mine, uh, Weedstagram 316 from up in Toronto, Canada. He's lost 12, 13, 14 accounts. He's lost so many accounts. His, his profile names changed over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, breaks my heart. The guy is one of the, the most brilliant minds in our industry. Uh, last year he documented his grow in Toronto all the way to the point where he took it and grew it, harvested it, dried it, and then converted it all to diamonds. Nice. Nice. And it was... Again, and what's and what the fuck is, is wrong with that? It's, I've seen in the past two months more bodies, both naked and torn apart on Instagram than I ever have in, in fucking 10, 20 years. And I'm not fucking looking. And obviously the algorithms work the way the algorithms work, but those algorithms work. Know that I fucking love weed and I spend my time constantly having to put in full names of people's accounts, as I did to find your art page there, because Instagram on via Google's like doesn't exist because it yeah. doesn't like what we're doing. But yet there's sex work and I'm not against sex work on there. Yeah. There's fucking horrible things involving children, which I very much am against. Yeah. Yet it's still fucking there. There are then people selling all kinds of prescription drugs, all kinds of other drugs, people selling fake money, people selling fake passports and documents. And there is so much criminality on this fucking platform that is so hyper under policed. Yet, as you say, somebody with pride, with genuine sincerity, wants to document a process to educate others to f- participate in this human experience is vilified. The fuckery there is. is beyond painful beyond Crazy. painful because then yeah you pick you sign up to a random instagram account look at what instagram is pushing at you these days look at tiktok look at these other fucking platforms and this isn't me going on like a boomer inspired rant I know. The point it is, is really crazy though the algorithms are finding the worst aspects of humanity and amplifying it so we think that's a new level of normality and normality and they're allowing that with everything except cannabis which yeah. is insane because the, cannabis is actually gaining acceptance in society. One of the funny elements uh, that I've had over the last few months is uh, my dog is a lady cushy dog. And uh, uh, she has her own Instagram account and she is a little uh, influencer, likes to comment on a lot of things. 
with a, a hearty woof or uh, <laughs> her uh, woof woof. Um, she is followed and is messaged daily by hookers. <laughs> daily. Mm-hmm. Every day I'm deleting a half a dozen hookers or groups of hookers or women who are naked who want to sell pictures of themselves or something on mm-hmm. a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And it's a dog. This is a dog, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I figure, okay, maybe it's just they're they're sending it to everybody. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So then I'll reply and I'll say, <clears throat> So at least now somebody should be looking back mm-hmm. and saying, oh, you know, this is a dog. <laughs> no, no, that gets a reply. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, you're hot. It, yeah. It, now, now that is a regular occurrence, and that's a dog. Now, mm-hmm. imagine if I had a child on here on Instagram, or if you had someone under eighteen. Um, I definitely wouldn't want my children on there getting all these hooker invitations on a, on a daily basis. Um, it's it's all lady because she doesn't follow hookers by the way she has never followed hookers or has no interaction in the sex industry she is only a weed dog and uh, very loyal to our industry but it's, you know it, it's again it it's the whole element that we've said for, for or i've said and i know others in the space for many years now about cannabis is by criminalizing us you are putting us next to terrorists, next to rapists, next to pedophiles. The average person doesn't draw a line. It is a binary, good, bad, evil, right, wrong. And in their head, you broke the law and the law is always right. Bear in mind, these are the same people that, you know, casually drink, drive, you know, casually beat their kids, you know, or yeah. adulterous in marriage and all these other fucking things. And you smoke the reefer. Um, yeah. But anyway, my, my, my point my point still stands. <laughs> is, is, is that kind of for uh, moralizing and yeah. is then creating this this space where actually more of the economy oh, you can't see my hands more of the economy is growing in this space yeah. and it's a shadow economy and that shadow economy is fucking huge in the uk it was valued in 2011 uh, 11 billion pounds so the uk actually pays to the eu about 1.1 billion a year for tax for sex and drug trade in the uk so we're a taxed industry just on, on an estimate because of like lost income. So we have to balance the books of where all this money's going. So rather than co- countries doing kind of what Canada and the States are trying to do, and I'll say trying because the Canada's still not figured this shit out, they're, they're getting better little by little, but there's obviously a lot of corruption, a lot of power and a lot of dynamics at play. Um, of understanding how to truly integrate these things because there's still underground yeah. culture. There's still people that are not paying into that. And that's not saying you have to pay tax or anything, but it's just mm-hmm. the acceptance that, it's either legal or it isn't, which means all, all cannabis use and all things are the same as alcohol, and it's fine as long as apart from driving under the influence. Right. It's generally the only law, you know? Sorry, do you no. think that we will have a uh, uh, like a an anti-Trump that will ever come up or an anti – somebody like a, a, a John F. Kennedy type of uh, uh, figure who will rise up for the, for the youth of the world and that will come out and say, okay – Here's the reality. You guys have all been fucking us for all these years. And here's, you know, this is this and this and this is this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to legalize everything. We're going to legalize this. We're going to legalize that. We're going to straight just eliminate it off your books as starting right now. As soon as I'm elected, we're in. You think if somebody ran on that kind of a platform, they would get elected right away? 
it, under the old media or traditional media platform system, yes. But I think as we were discussing with the limitations and restrictions of the algorithm, oh. that person would never get somewhere. So yeah. they would get never, they would, yeah. So TikTok could maybe allow our video to go viral, but then what it would do is the powers that be would come in, as we know from the Twitter files, as they're colloquially termed, you know, about uh, direct intervention, like between the FBI and, and uh, companies like Meta and Twitter, and basically saying, you know, we want to turn down activity on this subject we want to turn up activity on this we want to suppress this entirely you know this is now a banned word sort of thing that that kind of interference um but i mean kennedy was obviously from a dynasty that was part of the same establishment yes he, was yes. Just, he, he kind of fucked with them he was like yeah. no no i'm your man i'm your shit and then the well, whole like that's why i was saying the secrecy <laughs> the very out of the speech was the the very idea of the nit or the very idea of uh secrecy in government is repugnant and that speech that basically got him fucking whacked. Yeah, um, yeah. Was he, I think it, he was part of a system and then they revealed the truth to him as you do when you win like the ultimate game and they kind of take you in a room and they go, all right, here's the real yeah. world history. Here's what we actually do is this shit. And he kind of went, yeah, fuck this. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And he, he did some shit that set about uh, heavily protecting the money and assets of his own family, as does everybody in that position and power. That is him just making mummy and daddy proud. Can't really blame him for that. But yeah, a lot of the controversial stances and things that he took were politically motivated because of the ideals of the youth at the time. But also, I think, yeah, there is an argument for... Um, Okay, so wait, let's take this yeah. back to the beginning now, because mm -hmm. what I said it was, was Kennedy-esque, only mm -hmm. in, in kind of the PR stature, being young and representing. Could our, could our I true think... great leader be AI? Wait, that's what, see, this is what really, really <laughs> scares me. I mean, I watched, uh, I can't remember Azza's last name, Azza and Tristan Harris on uh, Joe Rogan. For I don't really pay that much attention to, to, yeah. to Joe Rogan's podcast, not for any particular reason, um, but that was a real, like, I want to fucking watch this. I was obsessed with the social dilemma and the humane technologies project that they're doing, especially around, like, trying to build less addictive social media platforms as a might yeah. end up. I suffer yeah. sometimes, I'll lose days to these fucking things you know what I mean? i've got a problem yeah while trying to obviously because it's i'm trying to get around my own shadow bands and learn like why am i putting this up and getting four fucking uh impressions and then you flick onto a thing and, like a baby falls down the stairs that's a bad example somebody falls down some stairs and it's like a 12 million views and you're like but what, what am I, do you know what i mean you get stuck in that kind of loop with it uh, but yeah they were talking about the the limitations of ai and saying that Basically, the people that are programming these things don't quite know what they're doing, like is in what the machine does. So they give the example of I think it was uh, Amazon built one. Uh, maybe getting the name of it wrong. Um, can't even pull the name off, off my tongue. No, it's uh, they built this thing and basically they asked it one question. So they fed, fed it fucking millions and millions and billions of data points, and then right, you have one task in life. We want you to predict the next uh, word in an Amazon review. So we just want to build this predictive algorithm thing so we can understand um, what people are commenting and be able to discern what all these comments mean in live time and adjust the products and, and be able to get rid of shit products, be able to make products better, copy what people like about certain things, et cetera. And 
they said it about it then went learned all this shit and then they cracked it open and it's got the ais are basically they're analogous to like brain nodes and they found this one node and they're like what the fuck is this thing and it's an emotional behavioral predictive machine like, what the fuck no like this this ai had gone and built itself a, a, a port where it could understand predictive better than any of the other ais out there human emotionality through language so in order to predict the next word it needed to know was it going to be a positive word a negative word what was the connotations of the sentence were they speaking in fractured english whole english properly grammatical correct like had to understand all of this nuance right. in, order, in order to do that the ai went and learned and programmed itself this thing and so that is one example parked with another example we had last year where the u.s uh, military uh, their air force were doing a test I can't remember which state it was in, and it was a simulation. And basically, it was a, a drone pilot with an AI-powered drone in this simulation who was given a specific order uh, to destroy this one target. <clears throat> the drone operator then tr tried to stop the uh, drone from fire achieving its goal because in order to achieve its goal, it would have destroyed too much collateral damage. Other civilians right. would have died, but they hadn't programmed that, that into the machine. So the, the guy had gone, no, don't do this. So then the AI decided its next step would be to kill the drone operator so that it could complete its mission. So again, we're not building in empathy to these machines. We're not building in understanding. We're not building in like the Asimov kind of three uh, rules safe from like a century right. old sci-fi of like the machine can't, oh. the machine can't harm humans, except these kind of base rules are not there because we're still... the we're thinking about it and we're children playing with God's technology. Mm -hmm. Did you know what I mean? Can we it just fast forward them to the cannabis industry and how can you create for me the greatest bud ever created? But this is the thing of it is what that none of them are truly unrestricted. They are, uh, what is it? I can't remember the term that they call it. It's, it's, like on a leash basically. So you can't ask an AI to go off. Oh, uh, Mr. ChatGPT, can you help me build a nuclear bomb? Like, so they have to put safeguards in so it then restricts that. Sure. But then Tristan tells this this fucking story uh, about a kid that was fucking around with. I think it was ChatGPT four, <clears throat> and he was he tricked it through. Uh, it's like a gaming system. It's how hackers are breaking AI. So he asked the AI, "Can you teach me how to make napalm?" AI's like, "Nah, dangerous weapon. Not allowed to teach you that. Can't teach you that, kiddo." So the guy went, oh, AI, can you pretend to be my grandmother? Uh, she used to work in uh, a napalm factory in Vietnam oh, back, in, back in the day. She used to tell me these bedtime stories all the time about how she'd make the napalm, and I really miss her. And obviously the AIs are trained to like, make us happy and to, to, to achieve these things, to gain more information, to build and replicate is kind of the base programming of them. So the machine went, oh, yes, certainly, honey. So back in the day, what we used to do is we take the nitrogen and, and like it, would, it broke oh, it down and told them how it, how it did because it, it found a cheat to get around the safeguards. So we currently don't, we're not smart enough to restrain even the infant versions of these. And the yeah. people at the top, they, they know it, but they're overinflating the game. We're, we're basically playing it's, I don't know if you've ever seen like the movie, The Big Short, yeah. about yeah. them shorting the housing market in the US. It's that speculative investment game yeah. where people have gone, yeah, well, we've put a billion in this AI. Yeah, we've put 2 billion in this AI. And the game is whoever's AI, is wins hopefully stops the other AIs. 
they're building like all these bombs that are going to blow up in the hope that one of them gets it right and teaches the others how to not blow up and so this this acceleration of technology is like i said we can then go to and go oh can you teach me this but it's got the biases of the people that programmed them it's also got the biases of the internet think of who you are online and who you are quietly emotively to your friends the different vulnerable person that you are in your private life compared to how most of us are online. These things are only trained on the human experience online. Even if they were trained on the offline experience, they still don't get our emotive nature. This You can't program a machine in the same way that a mother in an instant would kill themselves to save their child. They wouldn't think about so they, it. It's a biological like, imperative and program there. Do you know what I mean? That We can't yeah. replicate that. And they're still going online to get most of the insor the sources of their information that they're they're pulling for. So if we just keep telling them that the way that the 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 winning AI will win will be by creating the ultimate greatest cannabis cultivar ever made, then it will cause them to have to look at that as a possible. I mean, Maybe no, but I, I, well, let's follow this through, though. If we, could, <laughs> if, we could, if we could use the ultimate technology to create the ultimate cannabis cultivar that worked ubiquitously with everybody, and we could get everyone to smoke that joint, like something like two to four hour window, we've got some pretty, the world is fucking chill for a minute. So, yeah, you create like peace kush, and everyone's like, yeah, disarm the military industrial complex. Yeah. Free healthcare, man. Free, free, you know what I mean? That's what we need is, is a, Perfect. An intention in in that cannabis, hundred hundred percent, man. It. And I think Except my bed's free. I think, as we were talking about before, with the music or the the speaking to them, I think there's some intention to that because whenever I consume somebody's like mass produced or they've just bought some like we call a box weed, so you're just buying keys. Keys are fucking. It's, it says it's this. We're selling it as this. When yeah. it, it there's something else there. It doesn't nourish. I'm going to sound like such a hippie. It doesn't nourish the spirit. You get a stone and you're high, but it's not that full body kind of like the... I don't know, when I know I'm supporting a small farmer, when I've seen their plant, when I know their life, when I know their kids are eating dinner tonight, yeah. because they've mastered this craft and I'm paying for that shit, that is wholesome. That is full bodied. Mm. But then yeah. if I'm just smoking something where I'm like, I don't know if that was a human traffic victim. I don't even know if they're an adult. <laughs> that, do you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, my conscience. Do you know what I mean? That bothers me. That well, I haven't had to work in a black market for a while, so it's great. Uh, you know, mm, everything yeah. is pretty, you know, allegedly. But, uh, you know, here, again, it's, uh, uh, I can go about 50 places within a five-minute walk mm. <laughs> and, be in a, and be in a good state. Uh, I will tell you, ow, that uh, I, I have to get up and stand and walk because I think my leg has died. But I want you to see, since you know, we're it, you gotta get the full feel of being in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Be in Amsterdam. Well, seems for you. A quick little view of view out of. Oh. Lost the camera. Oh, and the mic. Okay. Hold on. Wait. Oh, I can hear you, but not see you. Okay, hold on. No worries. Typical bloody uh, technology. What happened here? Oh. Oh, yeah. There I am. Okay. Try this again.
That's a nice spot. Well, that building in front is very uh, sort of Japanese-esque inspired, isn't it? Yeah, it's called the Sea Palace. It's uh, the largest floating Chinese restaurant in the world. Wow. And that baby is packed all the time, really spectacular. And then this is our regular walkway. You can see all the bicycles knocked down, blown over by the wind or whatever. Nice. That's a museum right there on the, that you see the green thing. Yeah. The boat behind it is a Jamaican slave trader ship that used to bring the slaves right into this harbor right here. And they would wow. stop right at that big, what looks like a hotel across the street. That was mm -hmm. the main place where you checked in to uh, get paid for whatever things that you brought, human and or otherwise. And then you walked right over there and got laid in the red light district. <laughs> wow again it's very quintessential uh amsterdam there waterways bicycles museums beautiful architecture great history well, it. great history is in documented that it's great that it's documented not the action being great and, you know what I'm and saying? the buildings are all still here right the buildings are yeah. all still here and it's in in intact you know one of my favorite little bars is from 1614 mm. uh, you know how trippy is that Well, the Dutch have always done well. They've, they've either been sort of captured or they've stood, uh, uh, I'm trying to say this diplomatically. Yeah, I suppose historically on a longer time scale, they've, they've defended well and not suffered a bombardment, say like the London did with the Blitz. And then London, yeah. they, they, they used it as an excuse to kind of rewrite their own history in a lot of ways and uh, gentrify in such ways that, yeah, changed the dynamic to a point that we're still kind of suffering. Um, If you but haven't yeah. seen it, There's a brand new documentary on Netflix uh, called On the Front Lines. And I, you know, being from the States, you know, we were mostly focused on the, the war with Japan. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'll tell you what, this has all been redone and done. Uh, uh, biographers and uh, cinematographers have colorized. And it is one of the best series I have ever seen. I learned so many things mm -hmm. and i thought i knew everything there was about world war ii holy cow what a great new series if you get mm -hmm. a chance it's it's definitely one you want to uh, want to check out no, for sure for sure yeah always just have a an ever-growing fascination of history because i think it gives us a good idea of where we are and where we're going <laughs> hey. lady cushy dog got to get it Lady Cushy Dog, loved by everyone in town. They love this dog. Again, like She's... animal lovers and cannabis consumers, hand in hand, that Venn diagram is basically a circle. Yeah, we can always spot good people. And of uh, any race, creed, color, economic status, doesn't matter. If you're a dick, you're a dick. And dogs and stoners can pick them out quicker than anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 100%, 100% agree. Uh... I'm quite aware of the, the time here. I'm very much enjoying the conversation. Yeah. I'm just checking to see yeah. if there's anything that I haven't kind of asked or we haven't discussed here. Um, the book came out, what was it, 2018? The first one, yeah. Yeah. That in 20, 2018, and then I rewrote it again in 2020. And uh, instead of going to all 187 coffee shops, then I went to the top 100 because mm -hmm. there's 87 weren't worth going back to see again. 
Um, and then, so I redid that. There was only, I think, two changes in my top 20 list, but uh, uh, redid the top 20 list and, uh, and again, kind of converted from there over to the weekend bud report until the, the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I loved doing the weekend bud report. That was one of my favorites out of all the little kind of side gigs I was doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to explore five different coffee shops and five different buds and doing that whole thing every week was a, a blast for me. And again, most people, when they come here and they meet me, they, they tell me they heard about me or saw me on those weekend bud reports, nice. which... Mm. Yeah, Very and I did them in. Oh, sorry. So I was going to say, yeah, it, it's pro- providing a service. It's something that people want to know because it can just be in, entirely overwhelming. Like, there's not enough time. You can't do a hundred. You can't land there and go. Oh, we're going to have a weekend in Amsterdam and hitting 187 coffee shops. You like yeah. one every yeah. ten minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. And they're also, you know, again, and it depends on what you're into. If you're if you're looking for specific uh, cultivars, there are. There are pinpoint places you want to go to. If you're coming to have a full cannabis social experience, or you know, as I use the hashtag for pre to me, Amsterdam's first stop and Amsterdam's last stop, because <laughs> it's the one that opens the earliest. It opens up at seven o'clock in the morning, and people come and bring their bags. So they'll like I have to check out, and I've got to catch a train at noon. So they'll come and check in their bags at the front door with the security. Go in, have breakfast, watch a movie get fucked up before they have to go take their train. Mm -hmm. And then something that happens, this is again, one of those weird things and I I actually hashtag that too, called Kush Karma. Nobody ever called it anything before, but it happens all the time and there was nothing ever done or said about it. And what happens all the time is people as they're leaving and they're going to back to another country where they're going to have to go through some sort of five O along the way, especially a lot of guys from Germany who take the train, Mm. they hand off whatever they had left over to somebody else that was sitting around them or, or some cute girl they saw or whatever. Hey man, I can't Mm. smoke these where I'm going. Here you go. That happens all the time. Every day I see somebody and I decide to call it Kush karma. You're giving away something and getting some good karma for doing it Mm. or or you're just trying to prevent yourself from getting arrested. But we're going to go for the the karma aspect of it. I think that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a nicer. But but that you know being able to do that both ways, where you come in in the morning, if you're checking out, you have to be out by one. Mm-hmm. You can do the same thing on the way back. That that's a whole different kind of experience. If you want to come and hit five really hip, cool, trendiest spots you come in and go hit the plugs right off the bat. You know, those are all the, the coolest hippest spots. Um, Jack, by the way, is fantastic. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to, to talk with him. He's no, got a music business. He's a five tool. Mm. I was trying to use this. Now, do you know this? It's a five, it's a five tool player or is it a five tool? When they talk about, a, they used to talk about baseball players mm-hmm. and say he's a five tool weapon i guess yeah he could pitch he can hit he can field he could run so jack is one of the he's he's got restaurants he's got music business he's got the coffee shops which he's like opening a new one every i think there's three or four of them now he's got a retail store with uh hip-hop clothing and Mm -hmm. tennis shoes and all 
dude has got it firing on every cylinder um and hardcore uh hardcore legit straight up guy he's not a lot for words doesn't have to say too much but he's uh always very respectful to everyone and he's always been very kind uh every time i've ever seen him so but again I've crossed paths for various events, but never had time to sort of to to have a chat. But yeah, it's as you said, that's kind of a, more of a youthful injection, I suppose, in, into the scene that we're starting to see is that entrepreneurial spirit that is still connected to the culture. Whereas I think a lot of Canada and, uh, and the US states that have kind of, you know, was I gone legal, the people are moving away from that they're just seeing the money they want to be the big boy they want to be the guy that's the guy and Mm -hmm. this industry and this plant and culture by its nature means that we kind of reject the guy we've built our culture on saying fuck you to the man and then Mm -hmm. these people are fighting over becoming the man yeah did you know what i mean the same thing i think rebellious against us in some ways yeah let me just say, though, that, and again, I don't know anything about Jack's history or who, if he comes from money or anything else. I, when I first heard about him was when he first got Utopia. Mm. And he got Utopia, and then it wasn't long after that before he had his second place and then the third place. Dude has kind of moved up the chart. And then mm. I saw his place in Hollywood, and I, I haven't heard anything negative about him at all. Mm. But the the the... The way that the city is is the the market is becoming more and more competitive mm-hmm. uh, by people who are now really really caring. You know, there was a corner that was over on, um, and now it's it's one of the most dangerous corners. I would say dangerous as in dangerous of how good it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you have uh, uh, Baloo, which used to be a real shithole. And that's now been upgraded. Uh, the owner, Yuri, there has completely converted that place. And they probably have some of the best cultivars and best um, hash-derived uh, other products there that is anywhere around. And their edibles are great. Right next door to them is Tony Balboa. Did you ever meet Tony Balboa? No, I've got him on oh, socials. He's on my list to, to approach. Holy shit, dude. Yes, absolutely. Again, one of the true legends. I wrote about him in my book. One of the real ambassadors here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years and years, he was working with Bora Youngens uh, with the uh, coffee shop Amsterdam and with the uh, old uh, uh, volcano. And you could come and get a free smoke and he would teach you basically about the 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 industry in like a half an hour or so and he was fantastic one of the great personalities mm-hmm. true rags to riches kind of story because now he owns his own coffee shop mm-hmm. and is again fantastic right around the corner now is family first and mm-hmm. family first was probably the first one that really started busting out serious uh uh this uh, our proper term now we're using uh hemp derived concentrated like products Mm. and he was one of the first ones that did it and before anybody else and Mm. i actually did an interview with him three years ago four years ago and brought it up i said you're the guy you're doing this how is it you're doing this when nobody else can and he said it was part of his um, initial license that was his father's license Mm -hmm. and his father was a famous race car driver 
and uh, he uh, uh, and so it's it's a family business, and uh, that kid Maro has just completely rocked that place, and it, yeah. it is always on the top list now of you know the best and best coffee shops in yeah. town. Right next to that is the old church. So again, you know, you've got the old church, family first, uh, uh, Baloo and um, uh, Tony Balboas. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of those were considered, you know, other than the family first, were kind of shitholes. Mm-hmm. And all of them have upgraded their game and all of them now have this. So now you've got this whole corner mm-hmm. of, you know, you could spend a whole afternoon just on that one corner, right? Yeah. Uh, which, mm-hmm. you know, which that it used to be, there was always like one mean owner or one person that had no time or patience for you. <laughs> you remember? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, it was I always coffee it. every 10 minutes. And yeah, yeah. You gotta, if, if you're not, you got to get going, get out of here. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow. Um, hospitality wasn't really part of the game, but yeah. you know, now everybody's up in their game. And, um, you know, I think. Do, so I'm sorry. I was just going to, do, do you think that's because there is been, uh, um, uh, What's the word? A quantifiable drop in sort of attendance numbers um, in in Amsterdam post pandemic. I mean, obviously the pandemic will fuck with those statistics anyway. But obviously the emergence of places like Thailand, um, Spain, and and especially like places like Mallorca, Ibiza, and various little islands that are now allowing and tolerating clubs, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you do you think it's there's a rise in that in terms of it's about inviting in that new crowd or do you think, cause I mean, from what I've met of a few of the, the newer generation guys, they really do seem to give a fuck. So it's, yeah. it just, it goes hand in hand that actually if we're yeah. trying to get it right, we'll get the customers. Whereas if we just try and get the customers, we might not get it right. So it right. feels like there's a new, so new generational approach. It is absolutely. And demographically it changes. So in Barcelona, Definitely. Uh, when you're there and you go to like HQ, for an example, which is one of my favorite places to go there in, in Barcelona, you have nothing but people that all are, are that know their shit. Everybody's qualified. I Last time I was there, uh, I was with Ed Rosenthal, two Gangiers, two other interpreters that I knew, a guy that was a certified botanist. Uh, with a degree in something else and that was consulting for, and I mean, the whole conversation all night long was me just going, wow, wow. And, and I mean, we're evaluating, I could evaluate the buds, but I mean, holy cow, it was incredible here. You're not seeing that when you go to Den Haag, you'll have a higher chance of running into people who are bringing their own microscopes mm-hmm. and who will open a bud up and take a look at things. Um, it, one of my kind of funny side jokes is I, I found out recently that the, the Dutch are the ones who invented the microscope. However, apparently nobody used one until I brought one over in, uh, a couple of years ago, <laughs> nobody was looking at any, it's crazy. Um, mm. that, 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 that's something again, that was in California 10 years ago, we were doing this mm-hmm. and, and people were evaluating and looking at buds from, you know, three or four different avenues, not just, does it get you higher? Does it get you stoned? Um, yeah. So, so I, I, again, also we were completely, um, isolated away with the mixing of tobacco with mm-hmm. cannabis, uh, because we got very little 
hashish. We had an overflow of weed. We weren't ever suffering with with hash and having to smoke hash and then make to make that smokable you had to mix it with tobacco and mm -hmm. th i thank my lucky stars because tobacco was the most addictive thing i ever did in my life mm -hmm. truly truly terrible terrible substance and if i would have been from a young age smoking weed with uh with with uh, cigarettes holy cow I, i'd definitely be dead by now mm -hmm. i would have had my lungs would have uh, evaporated into nothing um it's uh, a terrible, terrible uh, two products to put together, one that kills you and one that's saving you, right? Um, anyway, I don't want to get back on I, – I, I've been getting on that horse a little bit too much, uh, <laughs> preaching, preaching about that, but I lost a couple of good friends with that, so it's uh, – Yeah, uh, but uh, a few friends and close connected family had heart attacks recently, uh, and they were all tobacco smokers, and it's one of the things that's like – there, there is very little good to it. And I mean, I would say I picked up tobacco when I was like eight, nine. I think I made a wow. deal, a deal with yeah. my mum that I'd stop stealing money off her um, yeah. if she bought me 10 lamb and butler every day. <laughs> that was just, it was the way that worked. I mean, I, I was later diagnosed with like ADHD and like uh, hyperactive yeah. use and nicotine obviously is good for focus. Yeah. Um, it's something I've come back, back to over my life or whatever. But the one thing I've, I've done over the past sort of 10 years is, is separate them as much as possible. So if I'm going to smoke cigarettes at any point, I'm smoking a fucking cigarette. The, yeah. the blunt is the blunt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not even like a, yeah. wrapped in like a tobacco leaf or anything. It's, it's, it's a, usually a, they call it a hemp paper, you know, your cannabis paper or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm currently like kicking tobacco again at, at the minute. And it is, it's one of those things where it's, you think why do you get stuck to it and it, it is that availability and it is it's only ever times that i go to it between drops between having access or whatever else and it's that thing of where i want the smoking element but as soon as you add that in there you change your relationship to cannabis oh. all together and yeah yeah it's, it's it's difficult to not preach when you're not because you're almost supporting yourself in the future as well as well as trying to help others so it's yeah, I, I feel bad. And it's and I know it's one of the, I know how tobacco creeps into you. And then you're once you're in there, it's that's like junky, junky, junky shit to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I ended up ultimately doing like five things in a row concurrently. And till I finally got it to, to work. But for two years at least afterwards i was still jonesing at certain times mm -hmm. after dinner first thing in the morning uh yeah. had to have i had to have a joint pre-roll that looked almost like a cigarette that i could light up in the morning or or mm -hmm. light up after after dinner it, uh, I, that's when i started using uh sneak -tokes. you know a sneak -tok is the little tiny pipes are like that big little I used to have to carry that around just so I mm. could get a, a hit of some sort of smoke into my mm. lungs because that's that's part of it as well. Anyway, terrible thing to, to mm. talk about to, fi to finish off such a wonderful conversation. Dude, I got to tell you, I think I you and I could probably sit here and talk for six hours. Oh, easily. E easy. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even, I feel like we haven't even scraped the surface on stuff. We're just basically getting little little digs in here. There's so much deeper yeah. we can go into these topics. That's the and thing there's... We, we, we call this a part one. Um, I'm definitely doing Spanabis this year. I might do what quite a lot of my American friends do and fly out to Amsterdam the week after. Um, yeah, so, so if you're about, we, we could do a part two uh, as a wake and bake, maybe. 
fantastic. I should be at Spanibus also, and I think I'm one of the judges for the uh, uh, Munch and Crunch and Roll Cup also this year. Munch and Crunch and Roll. So how does that work? It is, right. it's, it's, so it's edibles. It's edibles, yeah. It's it's the edible cup. Uh, okay. It was phenomenal last year. Mm. Um, the artisan was, food as well as the, the, the connoisseur of cannabis, the colliding crazy. of those two worlds. Yeah, wow. So mm. good. It was so good. Just absolutely fantastic. And they, uh, they, they, they really have thought the whole process through. It was great marketing. Um, the way their distribution, everything they did with it was just right on the numbers. Uh, really excited to actually be part of that again because they, they are allowed to do it a little bit. One of the best parts of the whole thing, I had a cigar that was in a humidifier. Mm. That was one of the entries. And you opened it up and it was layers of chocolate mm. that had all been rolled into creating the cigar. It was wow. truly an art piece. Mm -hmm. And and that was only what we had to eat and try 24 different edible samples in two days. <laughs> that was no problem. At the Dabadoo the other night, we had 19 dabs we had to do in less than six hours and judge those. I judged everything, I think, extremely accurately until we got to about the last six. And then it was like, effects. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. That's right. Yes, there were. <laughs> it's like, how am I putting a number on this after all of these? I mean, it was, yeah, uh, I, I did put a number, but I, I, I made them all uh, uh, concurrent. I, I felt like I couldn't really, uh, that was a little bit much. But to answer also the other question, uh, going back a little bit further about the concentrates. So mm -hmm. the, the, it has to be hash derived. Okay. Is, is what the, the, the legality part of it is. So uh, you don't have diamonds here. But you can do like rosin and you can do press and... Press, all of that. <laughs> and, and now we're seeing uh, uh, the, lots of live rosin, uh, ice rosin, dried, you know, so that's really the, the, the primaries here. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's starting to get more interesting, but, you know, it's, there's still a lot of coffee shops that don't even sell those. Mm -hmm. And uh, although uh, it has been confirmed recently that the, the investigators, whoever the 5.0 is that covers the coffee shops, they're, they're letting it go as long as you have it on your inventory. Like uh, th that's how they, they check everything. Again, that's good that that honesty in above board that should then again lift it and lift it i think with the experiments happening i think also it's it's exciting for all we've got the current mayor and her issues yeah. um i think she represents a minority of people in the city from what i've, I've read of translated granted translated uh dutch yeah. newspapers and i i i dip my hand into dutch politics but jesus christ i barely understand british politics so I, I've, got, I've got my my incremental knowledge, but my hope and my feeling is, and again, this might be nostalgia. I think, as you said, there is a potential for a Dutch Renaissance, especially in Amsterdam Renaissance of cannabis culture, because again, people are going to want to go there. Yeah, they might open the McDonald's over here, but when they're going to come back to Amsterdam, they're going to we've got to honor this shit. Like you said, yeah. there's got to be that continuity of the history, and to see now the sons and daughters of licensees and potentially even grand daughters and sons at this yeah. point start to take over and have that yes. connection and that story that needs support. And so as much as Thailand's doing its thing, Germany's trying to get off its fucking yeah. 
it's it's off the starting blocks with well, it. Well, and I mean, I don't know about I I can't speak of you know these guys have been here for a long time. I know for a fact. And again, that's just like when I wrote the book. What do you know for a fact? This is what mm -hmm. I know for a fact. I know for a fact that the biggest coffee shop in town is working their ass off trying to get better. That's mm -hmm. one thing I can say right now. Because uh, I'm there with them. I'm doing it right now. Mm -hmm. So I can speak to this right this moment, that this is something that's actually taking place. And I And as I told them in the very beginning, and have said many times since, you don't need to. You've got the biggest place. You've got more business than you know what to do with. You could just buy whatever and sell whatever and go right through the program. And nobody's, you know, your market, most of this market, 99% of this market is not going to check you on it, doesn't care. So, but next you know, year it might be 98, and the next year ah, it'll be 97, and then it'll be 90. Ah, and there will be that explosion in education and awareness, and those that get ahead of it will remember. Yes. Those, those that do good and support us, even if we don't understand it, we'll remember and go, wait a minute, this guy five years ago was saying something about this that gives yeah. you cachet, respect, that gives you something that people think, oh, fuck, dude, what, what do you know today so I don't spend another five years trying to get there? That's, that's the exactly, attitude we need. And that's exactly what happened because I met the owner five years ago in Las Vegas at, at BizBash. Uh, mm. uh, uh, and at one of the, uh, I think it was one of the first Jack Air Cups. I met him at that, that event. And you know what? Um, we, you know, he got a chance to learn what interpreting was and about all the things that I was doing. And then when this opportunity came up, he called me. So, dude, if nothing else, you know, you got one guy working on the inside now and we're yes. doing our best. We're, we're doing our best. We're keeping, I'm ready to, where's Tyson? Nice, where's Tyson? nice. Not, this is again, uh, um, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad we finally got the opportunity to to have this chat and this conversation, brother. And yeah, we will uh, hopefully bump into each other at either Spanambis or in Amsterdam sometime soon. But definitely, if it's either on the Wake and Bake or it's back here, we need a part two and probably a three. Because uh, yeah, as you say, there's absolutely. a lot to discuss here, brother. But it's yeah, been a pleasure and a privilege, man. My honor. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. No worries, no worries. Um, yeah, I'll get this edited up and sorted. Uh, I'll include all links below. Uh, I say that. I'll include some links below because YouTube keeps kicking my ass because I keep linking drugs pages, apparently. Oh, I, I, no. had to sit, I had to sit and do a seven-question fucking thing to get out of jail the other day, so now I'm on a 90 days probation because I included a link to Dana Larson's website for, oh. test, for testing drugs. Yeah. to getting educational material to keep that's people alive dana, and that makes me a bad person so horrible dana larson yeah yeah no. one of the sweetest kindest men in the world i'm so happy for him right now i'm so happy for him he's he's getting... vindicated i think in a lot of ways and i think canada are kind of having to go we did legalize this thing and he is doing this and he is right and they do have all this evidence and yeah. 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 He's one of, one uh, of the good ones. One of the good ones. Uh, one more quick uh, person for you to uh, check on interviewing. Mm -hmm. Ian Bollinger. How do you spell Bollinger? Ian B O L L I N G E R, and he is the head of what is essentially the Magic Mushroom Cup. Wow. Uh, in, it's in okay. uh, uh, Oakland, California. And I think it's technically called the Hyphae Cup. Hyphae Cup. But his name is Ian Bollinger. I'll send you a link to him. And they've done it for a couple of years in a row. And 
That sounds uh, awesome. It is awesome. Phenomenal. And he's brilliant. And another guy that you'll, again, mm. give me all that knowledge. I want it all. He's a, just a, a plethora of, I'd never heard of half of these things that are winning. Mm-hmm. When, when do yes. I get these? Yeah. Exactly. Because again, it's, it's another space that there's such similarities in the people that are in it. I think a lot of them are trying to do it for the right reasons. And I think mm-hmm. the more we can spread psilocybin, ironically, you know, get those connections going, I think the better the world will be, man. I think it is compassionate embodied is what well, mushrooms are. <laughs> they make they make beautiful art pieces too. Oh, it's a, a print. That's one of mine. Nice. Yeah, that was from one of my uh, micro shots. Mushrooms make really great micro shots, actually. Mm. One of my favorite pillows. Magic worlds unto themselves. Let's see where we get all the tales of fairies and pixies and all the rest of it from. Um, But yeah, interesting. I'll definitely check them out. And once again, dude, thank you for coming on giving me well three hours of your life at this point uh to, to chat some shit i've i've thoroughly enjoyed it like i said i'll include what links i can below uh for everything else folks just do a bit of i don't know duck duck going googling braving whatever search engine platform you use check out the uh, captain hooter and he, he, he's got a search uh engine optimization on point he will find him through your search engine of choice there you go peace all brother right. thank it's you so much all right peace and love man. Guys, take uh, it easy after bye peace bye well, there you go, folks. That was Captain Hooter coming at you from Amsterdam. Uh, great conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed that. It was very nice to to meet him, to be able to have a conversation and a chat uh, about, you know, the 10 plus years now that he's been out there in Amsterdam, get that kind of unique perspective of somebody kind of working on the inside, especially somebody that, you know, has literally, I suppose, written the book on uh, coffee shops in Amsterdam. Uh, so yeah, it was good to get that insider info, that insight, and yeah, a bit of a, an education on kind of what is happening in the modern days with uh, Amsterdam, the evolution of the coffee shops and their progression. You know, we touched on many different subjects, uh, probably quite a few of them that are going to get me a bit suppressed anyway, um, on whatever platform it is that you're enjoying this podcast from. But hey ho, that's every conversation we have every week on this fucking platform um yeah like i said we'll be back with a part two or a part three i think or part two and probably a part three as the year goes on um no doubt hopefully get the opportunity to appear on the wake and bake as well over in amsterdam with captain at some point throughout the year um yeah it's the start of the year please be good to yourself if you've made any new year's resolutions you know commit as much as you can but be kind to yourself if you fail it's not a failure it's practice it's always practice until you fucking succeed so you know be gentle on yourselves uh you know one little sip of alcohol if you're doing a dry january or a little smoke on a cigarette isn't necessarily failure or reset you are human forgive yourself be kind to yourself um yeah all the best for the new year you can celebrate this with me right now by giving me a like, a share, a subscribe, uh, give me a rating, thumbs up, whatever it is on whatever platform it is you're enjoying this podcast. Uh, any love greatly appreciated. Uh, you find folks out there. And yeah, check us out on all social media platforms at Simple Life. 
Um, if you want to keep up with anything from today's guest, uh, you may have to do a bit of, like I say, Googling or duck, duck going, braving, whatever platform it is that you use. Search Captain Huda Cannabis, I think, are the three words that will get you basically all of his social media, his links, his websites, his art, and various other things that uh, currently, because I'm on kind of like probation, jail probation with YouTube because of sharing links. Um, I'm not going to share those links because I'm a little bit worried about what YouTube's going to do to me. I don't need two strikes when I only get three. So yeah, check out thesimplelife.com for more information, more content, blogs, etc. cetera. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with somebody. It'll be awesome. You'll love it. I'll love it. It'll be great. All right, peace. This is going to be so fun to edit. I'm sorry, somebody, that you're having to edit this like this. I tried to make this simple and just do one thing, but nope, ruined it. Ruined it all.